Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting you into the weekend and a big, big Saturday for Winnipeg teams going up against Edmonton teams. Going to be a good one tomorrow, 6 p.m. IG Field. Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Edmonton Elks. The Bombers look to officially clinch the Western Division again and book that Western Final for November 11th at IG Field. And the Winnipeg Jets off to Edmonton to take on the Oilers in a battle of one and three teams. Both teams lost last night. A little bit of a different fashion for one than the other, but that doesn't change what the record is. One and three for the Jets after their loss last night to the Vegas Golden Knights, which we'll get to in a minute, and a kind of a stunning loss for the Edmonton Oilers in Philadelphia, which uh, got an F-bomb out of the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, Jay Woodcroft, uh, uh, last night in uh, the city of brotherly love. So we've got to get to last night's game. We will do that with Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. We'll get ready for Bombers Elks. We're going to kick it off with Ed Tate coming up in about 20, 25 minutes or so. And then in a very strange, (laughs) strange circumstance, myself and Dustin Nielsen, we chop it up every day together on the lock shop. And obviously he comes on our show. I go on his. I will be in Edmonton tomorrow. He will be in Winnipeg. He is coming here tonight to call tomorrow's Bombers Elks game. I'm going to Edmonton to check out Jets and Oilers. So Dusty's going to come by a little bit later on before he jumps on the bird to uh, Winnipeg to uh, talk about the latest with the Oilers, talk about tomorrow night's hockey game, and then set up Bombers, Elks, and a little bit of a CFL talk as well. Uh, We can't do Friday during NFL season without the NFL Notebook with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. That's coming up in hour two of the program as well. And then, of course, it's Friday. You know what that means, folks. Marbles. Make sure you're with us live on YouTube around 2.45 when we open up registration. I'm sure Michael Remus has a bang-up track for us to uh, enjoy today. And we will have one of our very exclusive Winnipeg Sports Talk Blue Hoodies, our version of the Masters Green Jacket for the winner of today's Marble Race. So buckle up. Great to have you all with us. Shout out to everybody in chat. Hit that thumbs up button if uh, if you haven't already. And uh, let's get going with a big Friday show here on WST. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, a big shout out to uh, our sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada just finished the lock shop, our biggest show every week, our NFL best bets. You can check that on the podcast, search lock shop, wherever you get your favorite pods. Or if you want to check it out on YouTube, it is available on the Edmonton Sports Talk channel and feed. Um, Of course, our friends at Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, and Boston Pizza, F Apparel, Nick and Nikki DQ, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Little Brown Jug, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, Canadian Club, and of course, we'll get to a why not question of the day for Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery as well. Michael Remus, come on in here. Um, and hey, just as we get going on this program, a big thanks to James and Angela from Canadian Club. They just fired us over some social passes for the game tomorrow. So uh, we will have an opportunity for you to win tickets. And again, these don't have assigned seats. You get access to the game 
as well as a CC and Ginger with your ticket. Um, and Remo, why don't you fill people in right off the bat as to how we're going to di- uh, distribute those to podcast listeners and YouTube viewers for tomorrow's 6 o'clock kickoff. That's right. I just uh, did a giveaway. It's on our website, winnipegsportstalk.com slash tickets. Let me just fix the date on it, fix the date on it. But, yeah, it's it's live right now. So go there, and you can put in your email, get additional entry if you follow us on Instagram, or uh, get on and subscribe to our mailing list. We're trying to get a nice mailing list going here. So um, check that out, winnipegsportstalk.com slash tickets. I'm just trying to make sure that it works. But it will be there in one second. So if you're on the podcast, it will for sure be up and on YouTube. Just hang on a second. But uh, exciting. I mean, crazy weekend here for Winnipeg sports. Going up against Edmonton and, you know, Bombers and Jets. Uh, you're heading to Edmonton. Dusty's heading here. But uh, hopefully the Bombers can, you know, seal up that uh, Western Division uh, victory. The ch- you know, what did they get a division banner, but you post the West final. And then the Jets got to get on this win call. You're feeling good about the way they're playing, but you look at the record and they're one and three at the bottom of the central division. The goals against column, uh, not pretty. But I think you got to overall not as down today as we were maybe Tuesday after the Velarde injury. Yeah, no, no. Listen, uh, we'll get to all of that. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a different feeling coming out of the building last night as opposed to just how disappointing on so many levels the 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 Tuesday game was on the ice in the crowd and all of that. I got to give you some uh, some props as well as our. Uh, Wonder Boy Connor Hrabchak. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, gang, um, Remo hooked up with Connor, who was still at the arena after popping in the room last night after the show. And uh, you guys did a pretty bang up job with a bit of an instant reaction to a game where the Winnipeg Jets played much better than they did against the Los Angeles Kings, generated a lot, made some killer mistakes, though, that ended up being the difference between winning and losing in a game that they certainly could have won. Yeah, and I think, you know, you can get kind of down on giving up, you know, four goals, I guess five, um, you know, if you count the empty netter. Um, but I think overall, like, you got to be okay with the way that they're playing. Uh, and, yeah, short sure, to Connor, him and I did catch up. Check it out on our YouTube channel. Instant reaction from the game. We kind of just went through the game, uh, went through all the goals. Um, so, you know, they just had, you know, they got robbed by Logan Thompson and, just reminded me so much of the game against Calgary where you know they were limiting chances, um, you know, getting great chances, but just getting robbed. And, you know, you make a couple mistakes, but DeMello whiffs, trying to clear the puck. Stone steals it, passes oh. to Howden and in. Um, the other one is Neil Pionk loses a battle in front to Paul Cotter. You know, Vegas has the puck, and then Whip goes around the net, finds Martinez in the slot, and, and he buries one, and then... The special teams again, and that was the thing in Calgary. That was the difference in Calgary. The Jets you know, didn't convert on the power play and allowed a shorthanded goal in this one. Well, the Jets were one for two. Big goal at the end from Ayafalo where, again, similar to the Calgary game where they tied. You think they're going to get a point. But uh, Vegas was two for two on the power play. And it was just such a game of inches where Mason Appleton, probably, you know, he's already laboring around. He took a shot to the foot. Like, he could barely move out there, and he's – it does a desperation dive for the puck. It doesn't get out. It was, you know, there's some questionable, I think, officiating in the third period that even led to that power play. So I don't know. Like they can't score or they haven't been able to score. The goaltending, 
uh, hasn't been what we've seen from them in the past. So I think they're going to be okay. But this is a uh, hasn't gone the Jets' way here. But I think these are the issues that they have. They can they can figure them out. Yeah, uh, listen, I think there is a lot of good to be taken out of the game last night, as disappointing as the end result was. And and you just mentioned, I mean, the officiating in the third period. Listen, I'm not blame the refs guy. I mean, you would think that over the course of an 82-game season, you're going to feel like you got screwed in some games and you're going to maybe sheepishly admit you got the benefit of the doubt on the others. The one thing that I will say is that you know, we hear and we know referees manage the games. But some of the things that were called were head scratchers. And then because of that, a couple, from my perspective, obvious penalties were not called. And at some point, I think you have to just say, if you missed a call, you missed a call. But you can't be playing catch up with what you've done in the previous 10 minutes as far as manage, managing the game. Like... I know there was a lot of people that were angry that, you know, the Vegas goal counted, um, you know, on what potentially was a penalty to Mason Appleton. He was gassed. He was falling already. I don't think that was a call. But as you very correctly pointed out on Twitter, Reem, um, you know, the Winnipeg Jets capitalized on the power play that, you know, the, that they had got earlier that may or may not have been a penalty. Um, and then just a couple minutes later, Adam Lowry with maybe the most obvious trip, a trip that is called 99 times out of 100 in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League. A guy careless stick in the skates, trips him, and no call. And very shortly afterwards, Alex Iafallo goes to the box, and the Vegas Golden Knights ended up getting the getting the winning goal. And this, of course, after the Jets had battled back to tie that game with a really spirited third third period performance, night and day from what we saw from the hockey club when they got squeezed by the LA Kings in a similar situation Tuesday night and really didn't have much going on at all. Yeah, I don't want to like dump all over the uh, officials like all the time, but it has been weird, and I feel like the Jets have kind of changed their standard of play through the course of some of these games, like that Florida game where they weren't calling any interference on the Jet uh, on the you know, on the Panthers, and the Jets get dinged for two. And then, you know, they didn't call what? They didn't call boarding, which I, like, if that's the definition of boarding on Cole Perfetti uh, on Tuesday, like, what is? And then yesterday, like, Mark Trifley got hauled down. The guy got a stick in his stomach, and he fell into the boards. He slams a stick, very upset about it. And so they call this, you know, penalty on Barbashev, where he's tangled up with Kupari, and everyone in the arena thought it was on, on Kupari. Uh, the penalty. Oh, the refuse suck chant was almost get, almost going mm-hmm. before everyone realized that that was in fact a penalty on Barbashev. That was a strange one, and I think that because that was such an iffy call, mm-hmm. that was why they didn't make that other one. And again, listen, it, it wasn't because of the referees that the Jets no. lost that game. They need to be better on special teams. They need to get a, a one more save. And listen, I thought Lorraine Brassois was fine last night. But listen, for another game, he was the second best goalie on the ice because Logan Thompson was absolutely freaking phenomenal yesterday, Remus. And I mean, it was a damn good thing that Cole Perfetti scored later on in the game. He needed that one. His team needed it big time because the robbery that Thompson put on Perfetti in the first period probably would have kept him up for days with that massive, massive open net and the way that Thompson came from out of nowhere 
to stone Perfetti in what seemed like a sure goal. Yeah, and, and he got all that one. And Thompson's just going across trying to put his body in front of the net and, uh, you know, got a piece of that one. And Perfetti, I mean, I have the lasting image of him, you know, jamming, trying to jam that puck in against Calgary and not going in. He hadn't scored all year. And you know, I thought that second line we talked yesterday, how they needed to step up. They certainly did. Nikolai Ehlers uh, got his first two points of the season, two assists. And, I mean, a beautiful tic-tac-toe play with Ehlers to Nemesnikov to Perfetti, who, you know, dances uh, the puck past Logan Thompson. But, yeah, there were some big saves yesterday. And, you know, someone in chat is like, did you guys watch uh, the Kool-Aid streams today when we're drinking the Jets Kool-Aid? I mean, you look at Money Puck, here's the the deserve to win meter They got the Jets at 73%. You look at the scoring chances. I mean, look at all these dots around Vegas' net. The Jets had so many. And look how few there are. I mean, the Jets outshot uh, Vegas controlled play. But when you make a couple mistakes, like you mishandle a puck or you get beat in front of your own net in a puck battle and the puck goes in, goes in. And as you said, in, in every game, the Jets have had the second best uh, goalie on the ice. And that's not something we really expect, which is why, you know, you think it, it's going to normalize, you know, Connor Hellbuck, what is he in the minus for uh, expected goals? What is it? Goal saved above expected. He's in the negative. Or then usually he's among tops in the league. So you think that stuff's going to get sorted out. But Rick Bonus did say after the game, what they're making soft plays and they got to clean it up and they're not going to keep winning. Well, you know, we keep giving up four. I mean, you look at their goals against yeah. in the league. It's not good, but I think there are mm-hmm. positives uh, you can certainly take. I'm not, don't want to go all like doom and gloom here. Like it was after Tuesday. I think you got to yeah, still listen. Have... If you people, if you want to freak out, uh, and say that this is a complete disaster and the fire and the smoke is burning up. Go ahead. That's what the chat's for. I'm sure there's an HF <laughs> boards uh, thread out there that you can get into and freak out. I mean, we're four games into the season, and there have been some things that simply haven't been good enough. Goaltending has been right at the top of that list. You know I'm the biggest Hellebuck backer. He has been well below his standard for his first three games. And I thought Loren Brassois um, certainly wasn't... It wasn't that Loren Brassois didn't play well, though I'm sure that, you know, one of those goals, the one that went over his shoulder, he probably would like to have back. Um, But again, sometimes you make your own luck. And, uh, you know, the Jets, they crashed the net. Maybe not quite to the extent that Vegas does, but they had tons of opportunities. Logan Thompson was probably the best player on the ice last night. And, um, you know, some, they lost a hockey game. That, um, but, but to me, I mean, and I'll say this, the feeling in the building, the feeling talking to people after the game was a far, far cry from the disappointment of Tuesday night when the Jets started well and then simply had no answer. I've already seen it a number of times in chat. We'll always think of the uh, infamous terms pushback from Rick Bonus when talking about, you know, his team in the Vegas Golden Knights. And listen, I like the pushback from from Winnipeg in that game on on, on um, you know especially in the third period when they were down. So um, listen, it, this is a results based business. It's pro sports. The team lost, and that's not good enough. Rick Bonus didn't seem to be too pleased with the number of things that happened in the game, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I mean, I have a hard time coming on after a game like that, the way that it was played and tried to go, you know, full 9-11, five-alarm fire with the way the club is because 
I think if you look at the overall body of work right now through four games, which again is a very small sample size, had 10 pretty darn good periods, two not so good. And unfortunately, maybe they deserve a better record. It doesn't matter. It just makes it that much more important to get back in the win column. And man, that game tomorrow night, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, two, two teams that I know it's game five of an 82-game regular season, but you would think that you'll see engaged and two very desperate hockey clubs to get those two points to avoid falling to falling to uh, to one and four. Um, let's uh, let's hear what Bones had to say from last night's game, Reem, because. You know, while I think there was certainly from a fan's perspective of people there, an appreciation for the way the team came back, um, Bones was really focused in on what killed them last night, and that was some mistakes and some interesting terminology from Bones, which we'll get to. But uh, here's Bones overall on last night's game, and, uh, you know, a, a, a disappointing loss for Winnipeg after a, a pretty solid 60 minutes of play. The end result stings. Um... Yeah, I mean, that was a great third period. Give their goalie a lot of credit. He made all those key saves. Um, that being said, we just can't keep giving up four or five goals a game. That's just, We're not going to win until we stop that, um, which means we got to clean up our zone. Our, our uh, turnovers in our zone are, are really costing us. We're spending too much unnecessary time in, their, in our zone, and we're giving up... Um, given up chances but again until we stop this four or five goals every game and I know it's an empty netter like we'll create the offense that we did tonight if we played and we played it better defensively but Logan uh, Logan Thompson was great give them a lot of credit yeah there's bones uh tipping the hat to Logan Thompson um but again you know it was some mistakes that the Winnipeg Jets made and Listen, I don't want to single out Dylan DeMello. He's had a pretty nice start. He scored. He's had an assist. He's been involved. He's playing big minutes with Josh Morrissey. Um, but, I mean, that play was just an absolute disaster. I mean, it was a gift to them. And, you know, Josh sort of got caught in the middle of trying to cover two guys after DeMello gave the puck over. You do it to a player like Mark Stone. You know you're going to be in bad shape. And uh, Brett Howden capitalized on it. And Vegas was opportunistic. Like, I don't think that was the best Vegas Golden Knights performance we've seen, or I can tell you that it certainly wasn't. It was an eminently winnable game, and I think that was the disappointment in Bones' voice afterwards, knowing that it really was there for the taking the way that they played. And I think we saw a lot of good things from the forwards. But, man, the blue line, I mean, I think if you're identifying areas where the Winnipeg Jets absolutely need to be better, it is on the blue line. And uh, we'll get into Logan Stanley and how he looked, uh, you know, uh, coming back in, but... You know, it really came down to some turnovers. The killer one was the the the, uh, the DeMello one, but that was certainly not the only one. Bones uh, lamented the giveaways by his club that ended uh, contributing to their demise. And those turnovers, like, it's not like it's just one player. I mean, guys... It's like, everybody. Right. It's guys soft that plays. You, guys. So, soft plays at the wrong time. We're playing the Stanley Cup champions. They're big, they're strong, they're aggressive, and we're making soft plays. So, you know, we're kind of, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Was that almost more of a mental thing uh, and just the yeah, mindset we, more yeah, than anything physical? Or? Yeah, no, it's a mental thing. For There's no question that we're making. Um, you want to get the puck out of your zone, you make high percentage plays and you make hard plays. We're making poor percentage plays and we're making soft plays. It's a bad combination. Um, you know, very interesting uh, choice of words by Rick Bonus. Um, it, is, it, it seems like it is a way of calling out his team without 
going all the way. Um, but I can guarantee you nobody, especially in a matchup like that against a team as 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 good, as tough, as consistent, as deep as the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets know what they're getting from Vegas. And to have their coach saying too many soft plays, a bit of an indictment of, um, you know, part of the game last night. Uh, Bones talked about how, what they have to do to eliminate those quote-unquote soft plays. Well, we'll just keep pointing it out and keep talking about it and preaching about it and harder plays. Like, again, now we're going into Edmonton. and They're playing a lot better right now. We're playing really good hockey clubs. We can't make it easy for them. And when you turn pucks over, you're making it way too easy for the opposition uh, and giving them scoring chances that they normally shouldn't get. But, again, that's, that's leading to the four or five goals against. Uh, we, we take pride in our defensive play. We carried us last year. Uh, and, we, and we've got to clean that up, and it starts with puck possession. Um, you know, and, and, you know, just, you know, to kind of expand on that from Bones, um, you know, there was a lot to like with what the Winnipeg Jets did to generate offensive opportunities. The things that had been a calling card of Winnipeg over the course of the last few seasons, certainly last season, great goaltending and great penalty killing, and obviously those are intertwined, um, wasn't there last night and has not been there through the year. I mean, if that can get shored up and again, eliminate the mistakes where you are just providing these opportunities to your opponents. I mean, if the team can keep doing what they're doing at the other end of the ice, I mean, we probably wouldn't be talking about a team that's one and three. That being said, that's where they are. There were some positives in this game, though, and we'll get to that in a minute. Here's number three, Reem. Uh, Bones um, talked about liking, you know, a lot of what he's been seeing. We, we like a lot of what we're seeing. Yeah, like the second period, uh, I wasn't happy with the second period tonight, but we got out of it and we're one shot down. So, you, you know, at the last two periods against LA were bad, but for, we've, we're losing to really good hockey clubs, but we're uh, shooting ourselves in the foot. All right, so uh, kind of self-inflicted. Pretty clear what the coach had to say about that. Now, as I mentioned, there were some real positives. And Remo, we talked yesterday about Adam Lowry's line and how with with Nino Niederreiter and Alex Iafallo on that line, for my money, that is as a good of a Lowry line as we've seen maybe ever um, with both what they can do defensively and being a lot more potent offensively. And Alex Iafallo had a monster game. Now, unfortunately, he was in the penalty box as Vegas scored. Jack Eichel scored to make it 4-3 in the third period. But he was all over the place, led the Jets with seven shots on goal, scored early on a rebound to get the team up one nothing early on, and then finished off a beautiful tic-tac-toe play on the power play, assisted by Ehlers and Shifley to, uh, to get the Jets right back in it. Here's what Bones had to say about number nine, A.I., Oh, he was outstanding. He's been he's been that like he got the goals tonight, but he's been very consistent for us every shift, every game. He's just uh, he's a hockey player. He comes to the rink. He's ready to work every day. Uh, he's he's competitive. Uh, he's fearless out there. Not the biggest guy, but he gets in there. And he hangs on the pucks and he gets his nose dirty. Like he's he's a hockey player. He's he's and he's been uh, he's been great for us. You guys would have numbers on things like this, but when it comes to forechecking and winning pucks back and knocking them down and things, would he be one of your leaders there? Yeah, he would be. Yeah, he's right in there. Like, he's got great hockey sense. He's got great anticipation, which leads into those things. 
All right, so there's a little bit more bones on uh, Alex Iafalo, who was uh, awesome last night. Um, the other thing that I left being a lot more optimistic about Remo was the uh, play of the, the second line. I thought Nemetsnikov, I mean, he had a couple giveaways, but he also had an absolutely beautiful setup to Cole Perfetti for that big game to get the Jets back in it. And um, Nikolai Ehlers... I think in the second half of that game started looking a lot more like the Nikolai Ehlers that the Winnipeg Jets need. Um, here's what Bones had to say about the Perfetti Ehlers Nemetsnikov line from last night. Yeah, though they looked they were moving the puck really well. We got to do a better job on the faceoffs <laughs> with that line. They're getting killed in the faceoff circle. They're so they're so good with the puck, uh, but every time we lose a faceoff, we got to go get it back. Um, so we can clean up the face-off circle and with that line. Um, you know, they're not the biggest guys, but if they use their speed and their creativity and they use each other, um, yeah, well, that, that line looked good. It did. Um, so uh, there you go. What did you think about Ehlers last night? Yeah, I think you look good. You saw that speed, uh, the quick passing there uh, on the power play. Maybe it took him a bit extra to become more familiar. I mean, I don't know. I think it's pretty clear. Like, the Velarde injury... I know you want to say you don't want to get rattled, but, I mean, it was pretty obvious. I mean, they were off to a great start on Tuesday's game and weren't able to find it back. You know, you're jumping up the lines, and, um, you know, those guys are, were good. You know, you mentioned the face-offs. Uh, overall, the Jets losing face-offs with 60% uh, to 40%. We know Bones, uh, you know, always harps on uh, face-offs and you know, getting puck off the draw, but I thought those guys were good. They got a, you know, got a goal. You know, lines uh, the third line as well. I mean, we mentioned yesterday we thought they were going to be pretty strong with Ayafalo and Niederreiter on wings with Lowry. Um, you know, I think the top line, we'll see you know, if Mason Appleton lasts there with uh, Connor and Shafley. But, you know, if you're panicking after losing Gabe Velarde, I think they look pretty good against the defending Stanley Cup champions. Well, and as we said, I mean, it sets up a, a battle of one and three teams tomorrow night in Edmonton. Nine o'clock start. You'll be able to finish up the Bomber game and settle down for a little uh, uh, round two of Winnipeg versus Edmonton tomorrow night. Winnipeg Jets going to need a big, big game from Connor Hellebuck. And um, as I said, just quickly on Logan Stanley, for a guy we talked about the opportunity that he had in front of him yesterday to go out, play a physical game, show the coaches why it was a good idea to put him in. I mean, he was, I would say, not much of a factor. It was more the same. I think had one hit in the game, played 14 minutes. Um, you know, I uh, would not be surprised if they go back to either Nate Schmidt or potentially Declan Chisholm. I know Kenny and Rennie were talking about that. Although, man, putting Declan Chisholm in for the first time in Edmonton against the uh, Oilers, who will be in this uh, ornery mood tomorrow night, might be a tough spot, but again, it's the National Hockey League. Sink or swim and make the most of your opportunities. We'll be uh, following that tomorrow from the morning skate in Edmonton. And we'll have some uh, updates for you on the Winnipeg Sports Talk social channels. We are going to get to the Bombers because, of course, Jets-Oilers tomorrow night is the 9 o'clock start, 6 p.m. IG Field. It's on. Bombers looking to clinch the West. Ed Tate coming up in just a minute. Uh, hey, big shout-out to Leighton Janice. The latest member, WST crew member, that's going to jump on and join the WST Movember team. Um, if you are interested in, uh, we've got a pretty good crew already. Derek's in. Uh, One Bird is in. Uh, Julian's in. 
So we're putting together a bit of a crew and uh, we'll try and get maybe a couple perks for Modern Man for you guys for doing that. But if you are interested in uh, growing the stash, supporting men's health, and being part of our team for November, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and we'll be in touch and uh, get that going for November. Of course, Modern Man, eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Um, the barbershops have a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look via modernmanbarber.com and make an appointment today. And we appreciate them jumping on board and getting involved in the Movember promo as well. Um, hey, folks, you know Aquatech are the experts in pools. And while pool season's over, think about taking the plunge in 2024. They can help you with that and get started on that throughout the winter. But what you might not know is that whole home renovations start with Aquatech. With thousands of renos as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. And uh, hey, big game tomorrow night. We are getting into playoff weather not quite here yet but uh, you know what that means it's going to get a little chilly and then the winnipeg winter is going to be here manitoba battery is ready to get you prepared for the upcoming winnipeg winter hey they powered us through the summer and all the fun stuff now it's time to survive minus 30 and whatnot if you need to test your battery pop by and see them at 1026 logan avenue They'll do that for you and let you know how you're looking heading into the winter. And if you need a new battery for your car or your truck, shop local with Manitoba Battery. Get the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. The best thing about it is you won't even need to leave your home. Go to manitobabattery.com and order or 783-8787. And Manitoba Battery will deliver your batteries for free anywhere inside the perimeter of Winnipeg at no charge with any purchase over 60 bucks, It's just that easy. If you do want to see him in person, pop by and see Donnie and his great staff at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. Hey, uh, big news for you Canadian club lovers. Just got a note from our pal James. $79.99 right now for a limited one-time release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series 15-year-old Sherry Cask. Find that at your local... Uh, Manitoba Liquor Marts, and there will be another invitation series varieties released annually over the next few years. And again, if you want to grab those CC social passes for tomorrow's Bomber game, go to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on the link, the tickets link. Remo will send those out a little later on today. Also, if you're with us live in chat and you want to go to the game with Canadian Club, click that link and get entered. We'll send those tickets out a little later on today. Speaking of that bomber game, let's go to our main man, Eddie Tate, down at IG Field as we get ready for kickoff tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Edward, great to have you back on the program, Eddie. Uh, you know, an interesting, you know, I was hearing a quote from Coach uh, O'Shea uh, a little earlier. Um, let me just ask you this right off the bat. From your understanding, how much of what we see from the bombers will depend on what happens tonight in BC Place? That's a great question because if uh, if the Lions uh, don't win tonight, then the Bombers clinch first place be before even taking the field tomorrow. So, uh, you know, the lineup is set. I'm staring at the depth chart right here. I guess what you would do is you might play around with uh, 
the playing time with some of the guys here. Maybe Zach Caleros doesn't go a full four quarters, you know, but the, the rosters are pl- pretty limited. You might see some backups, but, uh, you know, th- these guys ha- are under the full expectation that they'll have to take care of business themselves tomorrow. That's no slight against Calgary tonight, but it's just when you uh, prepare for a game, you prepare to, you know, your kind of chips are all into the middle of the table to try to get it done yourself. So I think that's what, uh, will happen. But, you know, again, if Calgary upsets BC tonight, it might be, might impact some things. They won't say that now, but it, we might see it tomorrow a little bit. You know, and, uh, you know, and I still think, I mean, we will see the majority of the starters, I think one way or the other, Ed, because, you know, assuming that the Bombers, whether it's tonight before they even play or tomorrow, can get that win, clinch the division, it gives you far more options to rest key players in that final game against Calgary. But then there's also a buy, and I think there's always a bit of a concern about shutting it down too early and then having, you know, literally three weeks, even more, in between game action when you're going into a game with the amount of importance that the West Final would hold. Yeah, that's the old rest versus rust debate, right? And uh, it's almost cliche in these parts because we've had that debate for a few years now with Winnipeg clinching first so much. Um, You know, one of the things that I've heard this week that's kind of interesting is that they want to take care of business this weekend, not only to to get a rest for next week. The guy, you know, everybody's banged up at this point. No matter how many bye weeks you've got, somebody's got a bruise or a – uh, you know, a wonky ankle or a sore shoulder, something, right? And so they all, you know, you you want the break for that. But a lot of the guys have said, you know, we got a lot of guys on our practice roster, a lot of guys that are uh, that dress but don't get a lot of reps, and they want to see them get reps next week in Calgary in a game. And they and and the only way that that happens is uh, by taking care of business. So it's uh, it. I mean. People are going to roll their eyes again because it sounds so cornball, but it really is about honoring your teammates. And then there's, so there's a lot of guys that want to see, you know, maybe a Nick Howitt start at safety next week, or uh, I'm just looking, maybe Johnny Augustine gets some snaps at more snaps at running back. You know, you, you see backups, you guys that are on the practice roster now that could get a- activated for next week. So um, that's something that I've heard this week in, in the locker room. It's about taking care of business, but let's get some of our other guys some work next week too. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't even think it would necessarily would be a good thing for uh, Calgary to win tonight. I mean, I kind of think that, you know, uh, one more important game for the Bombers to go out, you know, as as a unit, execute the way they would like to do in November presumably when BC comes here, although obviously there is still a game to be played, you know, in that West semi would be good because of that time that we're going on. I have to ask you right off the bat, what do we know about Dalton Schoen? Um, He's such an important part of this offense. Now, Bombers have arguably the deepest receiving core we've ever seen here, or at least in a long, long time. So maybe they're set, if you will, to handle a loss of a player like that um, but man, he's just been such a big, big part of the bomber offense. I mean, to think about beating BC or winning the gray cup, you kind of need all hands on deck. And he is a very, very important piece of this offense. Yeah. I know there's been uh, a lot of speculation since, uh, even since the BC game when he didn't finish, all I can tell you is that he is listed on the depth uh, on the, uh, injury report with an ankle injury. He's been moved to the one game injured list, which is important because it means that, now you put a guy on the sixth game to save salary. So, 
you know, but you're right. We're talking about a guy that's played two years in this league and has had a thousand yards in both seasons and his uh, touchdowns to games played differential is unbelievable. I don't have it here in front of me, but the guy is a touchdown scoring machine. And you're, you're right. You, you, I mean, look, there's no way to kind of dance around this. You take a guy like that out of your lineup and it's going to impact your offense. But uh, it's been an interesting week because we've seen Brendan O'Leary orange is listed as the starter in that spot. Now uh, he's Canadian. So that's another Canadian on the, on the roster. It gives you a little bit more roster flexibility, but Greg McRae's, been activated and uh, he's had his moments as a running back, as a kick returner, as a receiver. Look, he's not Dalton shown, but there's something there. Zach Caleros just spoke to the media about an hour ago, Huss, and he was raving about the guy they called Nighthawk. Uh, so, uh, you know, when the quarterback speaks glowingly of you, of you that that's a good sign. But, it, you know, let's, again, I'm not going to dance around this. Uh, you take a guy like Dalton Schoen out of your lineup and it's going to have an impact. So maybe in a way, and this is just me painting the silver lining here, uh, you know, you get someone some reps tonight and maybe Dalton is va- available next week, maybe he's not, then somebody gets some more work next week and, and that helps you be prepared for the Western Final, whereas if it happened, you know, next week or even in the first quarter of the Western Final, then you're really scrambling to get uh, – somebody prepared so uh i i it's tough because i uh, i think everybody loves the way dalton shown plays he can, can catch that tough pass over the middle he's a he's a pretty dangerous in the open field but he's such a crisp route runner too and uh, i don't think it's any coincidence that when things break down it's often uh, dalton shown that zach caleros has been looking to on those busted plays is because he knows how to get open so it's a huge loss you know, um, we're going to get into a little bit more on the visitors with Dusty, uh, Dustin Nielsen, who's calling the game for TSN and will be on his way to Winnipeg a little later on. He's coming up uh, after Scott Billick on the program. But, Ed, in a lot of ways, this is a good test for uh, for the Bombers. I mean, we all remember how, I mean, the two games between these clubs. I mean, uh, the Bombers were, I believe, down at halftime in their home game. And then we're down 22 nothing before Drew Brown came in and saved the day a little earlier on. And I'm pretty sure you could make an argument that the Edmonton Elks, as of right now, might be the third best team in the Western Division. Um, this is a frisky team. They got nothing to play for, but I expect them to be um, going all out to, you know, not only work for next year for jobs, but um, to try to give it to the Bombers and maybe get that win that's eluded them in two games that were a lot closer than a lot of people expected earlier this year. Yeah, you've hit all the right notes there, Huss. It's uh, it's a scary opponent to me. They they are playing. I mean, they're I think they've lost three in a row, but they're playing some good ball lately. And the key to that is Trey Ford. Uh, look, uh, it's it's shocking that they waited so long to hand the the keys to of the offense to this guy because he is so dynamic. I did a story this week that's posted now with talking to Brandon Alexander and Richie Hall, Jackson Jeffcoat about playing a quarterback like Trey Ford. And, you know, they said, look, we've played running quarterbacks before. You know, there's uh, Dustin Crum and, and Taylor Cornelius with Edmonton, uh, Vernon Adams Jr. in BC. They're all guys that can stretch plays and, and move around the pocket. Cameron Dukes did it against, with Toronto a couple of weeks ago. But there's nobody like Trey Ford in this league. He runs a 4-4 40 uh and that's at a quarterback position and uh, i think of that play that we keep talking about here when zach claros had his first start 
as a blue bomber, and he ran back and forth all over the place and then found Darvin Adams at the back of the end zone. Well, Trey Ford does that on almost every other play, right, because he's got that kind of dynamic uh, ability to make things happen with his legs and by time. And I think he's become a better pocket passer, too. That's something that everybody uh, needs to work on, uh, thinks he needs to work on. Edmonton has got a loaded lineup. You're you're bang on, Huss. There's a, a quite a few people that think they would be they are the best, the third best team in in the division right now, which doesn't say a lot about Calgary and Saskatchewan. But they, they have an awful lot of talent. Again, Zach and his media availability just a little while ago was talking about what they have on defense, and uh, you know there's a lot of good players. That's what Chris Jones does. The mystery of what they might do tomorrow is also a kind of a, a side story to this. You know. Since you've got nothing to play for, if you're an Elks player and a coach, do you start trotting out all kinds of trick plays and things that you've saved in your playbook? So it's kind of a high alert game for the Bombers. Uh, you know, not only do you want to lock up first, but because of all those other elements that we were just talking about. You know, Ed, one other thing that I think could be beneficial for the Bombers in this game, now that you mentioned Trey Ford, I don't know whether this is an observation of my own and you can agree or disagree on it, but... You know, at, at certain points this year, the Bombers have had opportunities to get to quarterbacks, have been in the area, and then they've broken out for big, big plays, like 25, 30-yard runs that have really sort of shifted field position. Ford is always a threat to do that. And, you know, knowing that VA is probably the guy you're going to be going up against in the West in the West final, and we've seen what Chad Kelly can do from a scrambling perspective um, in some ways, this could be a great preparation for those quarterbacks for the Blue Bomber defense to maintain that contain and try to avoid big, big chunks courtesy of the feet of the opposition QB. No, it's it's a good point. If you're playing a pocket passer right now, say a Trevor Harris or something, it would be a completely different look than what you're going to get in the West Final if you're expecting to see BC because that's not the style at all of Vernon Adams Jr., you know, that's part of the story, again, that I did this week about how do you prepare for a quarterback like Trey Ford because the, the easy answer you get from a lot of fans, and myself included, and that's why we asked the questions this week, is this: why don't you just assign someone to spy him? Well, it's not as simple as that because the minute uh, uh, um, Trey Ford starts to get at that feel that there is someone spying him, then they counteract, right? They start to do different things, and as – as Richie Hall said uh, earlier this week, when you start to do that, it's like doubling a receiver on one side. All of a sudden, that frees up all kinds of other things in the offense because you're paying extra attention to one side, and the offense can attack you differently. So the key to the, the Bombers in playing Trey Ford, and then you're right, down the road, whether it's, it's probably going to be Vernon Adams, is that you just got to make them uncomfortable. And so that might be spying him on a one series or one play, and then on the next series you're not. It might be that you blitz on one down on second and long, and then on the next time you're in that situation, you're dropping nine into coverage, only rushing uh, three. That's what you'll see a lot of tomorrow, I think, when Winnipeg plays Edmonton. It's because you, it, whether it's a pocket passer or a guy like Trey Ford, you just don't want him to get into a rhythm and feel comfortable. We saw that in the BC game. In the first half, uh, Vernon Adams was just slicing and dicing up the the uh, the, the defensive secondary, and on they would big blitzes, and he was beating them. They would drop a bunch, and he was beating them. Then in the second half, something changed, right? The, their passing total was only about 100 yards, and 65 of it came 
on the one play at the end of regulation that was thankfully Jamal Parker made that play to stop the you know potential game winning touchdown. But that that's what you want to see from your your defense is di- you want to be dictating what is happening out there. And the way you do that is just by making the quarterback squirm a little bit because he doesn't know what he's seeing across the line of scrimmage. You know, we talked about uh, Sean being out and uh, how things are looking up front on the offense. Um, What about the defensive depth chart right now? Any changes, uh, any guys nicked up? Yeah, the the the, the most notable thing, Huss, is that uh, Demario Houston is still going to sit this week. He's on. He's been on one game injured. He missed the BC game. He's again on uh, the one game injured. Leads the league in interceptions. So Jamal Parker gets a second start there. Um, and then the rest looks the same to me. Uh, and, and again, you know, knock on wood, the Bombers have been remarkably healthy. Here we are at second last game of the year. And as unfortunate it is that uh, Dalton Schoen can't go, the changes from last week, the last game's depth chart to this depth chart are just one. Dalton Schoen out and Greg McRae in. And that says something about the, uh, the collective health of this bunch. Uh, lots of great stuff over at BlueBombers.com. Great 48-hour primer from Ed on tomorrow's game, which you should check out. Um, two things I wanted to get to from uh, BlueBombers.com. First of all, tell us about uh, we had the big gala this weekend and uh, the money man, Justin Medlock, going into the Hall of Fame. I'm sure that was a great night and uh, great to have a guy that has just been, was everything the Bombers could have asked for and more when they brought him over to do the job. Well, the... The the legacy dinner, the gala, it was uh, it was spectacular. It's the, from what Wade Miller said when he got up to address the crowd. It's the first time it's been sold out, and that's kind of a trend around here lately. With this tomorrow, it's going to be the fourth straight sellout too. Uh, it was so very well done. Uh, people had a lot of fun, and and when you talk about Justin Medlock, Money Medlock, he got up there, and you know Justin was around the team from 2016 to 19. And, you know, he was a star, right? But I'll, uh, I'll tell you, he was not on the all-interview team, right? He was not the best interview. After a win, you know, I can remember that game in Labor Day. Uh, he hit the game-winning field goal, so you're trying to get some emotion, and it's just, you know, he shrugs his shoulders, just doing my job, just doing my job. <laughs> game-winning field goal, right? There's no, no emotion, kind of a robot. But he got up there, us, and his speech was hilarious. He talked about when he – he used to come to Winnipeg when he was with uh, Toronto and Hamilton, and he hated kicking at Old Canada Stadium. Like he said, the goalposts seemed to be crooked. The wind was howling all over. And he told a story about his first practice as a Blue Bomber. Uh, he had a horrible day, and he could look over and saw the special teams coach, Paul Boudreau, saying, we spent all this money on this guy? He's terrible. But uh, he, he told some great stories. He told a story about running a fake against uh, Coach O'Shea when O'Shea was the, head, uh, the special teams coordinator in Toronto. So he had people uh, on the edge of their seats with his speech. It was really, really well done. Um, yeah, so it, it's kind of cool to see a guy like that go into the Hall of Fame. So well-deserving. Well, and, uh, you know, the Bombers in a good spot with Sergio Castillo has had a very, very strong year filling those big shoes. Um, obviously, Mark Leggio was in the, in between. One other thing I wanted to get to, um, and I'll be honest, I wasn't that familiar with Tanner uh, Kedwaller, um, who has been, you know, mainly a special teams um, demon for the Winnipeg uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, but there's a piece up, uh, and a very great time to do this, considering what month it is, 
um, the the uh, the in my words about uh, about his mother. I mean, maybe just give people a bit of a tease on that, and they should go to bluebombers.com and check it out. Yeah, there's a couple things on the site that we're pretty proud of. Uh, first of all, Buck Pierce, whose wife Lori has twice battled cancer. He there's a video up of his him speaking about that, and uh, you know how the difficulties of going through that, and how tough his wife is. The piece that you're talking about with Tanner Kidwallader, in my words, it's, uh, you know, I knew that he had lost his uh, mom to cancer a few years ago. And then uh, when we sat down to put this piece together, man, I was in tears. What both of us were. Uh, he's talking about how powerful his mom is. Um, he, Tanner was at uh, Western playing college ball when he first un- found out that his mom had cancer and he stayed the year at Western, but it was two and a half hours from his hometown of Georgetown, Ontario. So he transferred to Wilfrid Laurier. She went into remission and she got to see him play a couple of important games, including a playoff loss to Laval. And then she got uh, cancer again, or it had spread. And that was the last game. She didn't see him play as a pro, but just the way he talks about his mom and his impact on her and on other people, um, it's worth the read. I don't usually uh, toot what we do too much on our site. I'm very proud of it, but I don't like uh, bumping our chest or as Claude Noel would say, I don't want to separate a shoulder, pat myself on the back. So uh, it's really worth the chance. If you can to spare five minutes to go take a read, it kind of gives you a real good perspective on things. Yeah, no, it is a, uh, I mean, it's a powerful piece. You learn a lot about a player that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, and obviously, in a month like this, um, uh, you know, some important conversations to have. And I think it was something that, uh, you know, was incredibly well done. Eddie, I guess all that's left to do is uh, kick your feet up and uh, maybe grab a cold one and watch this football game tonight and see how that impacts tomorrow at six. I'll be having it on PBR. Bison's men basketball plays a preseason game tonight against Brandon. I got to go watch my kid play. So, How's the uh, squad looking? How's Kirby and the boys uh, shaping up for this year? We're going to be solid. We'll see. It's a tough conference, but the uh, uh, hustling herd should be hustling. Love it, Eddie. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, good luck to the squad tomorrow, and, uh, and congratulations to the organization. Another full house, four in a row. These are good times down at IG Field right now for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and all that's left to do is book that West Final officially, and they can do that tomorrow with a win. Thanks again to Eddie Tate for jumping on. We're going to switch over from the Bombers to a little more Jets talk. Scott Billick is uh, joining us right away. Uh, don't forget, gang, uh, if you're... Listen, there's been lots of talk about the attendance and, and, and all that. Had some great conversations with people in the concourse last night. And, um, you know, I'd say it was certainly a bit more positive yesterday. I mean, there was a there was definitely a level of shock with um, what we saw on Tuesday. Um, you know, it'll be something that we'll continue to talk about. I, I see the chat, and I mean, there's some... Some wild takes out there. A lot of stuff that actually is just not factually correct. Um, but we won't digest all of that. It's hard to keep pay attention when we're talking about other things. Oh, this will be a, will be a, definitely a topic going forward. Um, but if you're uh, you're on the fence or thinking about getting to a game, big one coming up on Tuesday in the division against the St. Louis Blues. And this, don't forget, is part of that Super Tuesday in the NHL where all teams are playing and every game is staggered by 15 minutes. So a special start time of 7.45 at Canada Life Centre on Tuesday when the Jets take on the Blues. And uh, obviously tickets are available for that. And of course, if you're 
um, thinking that maybe you'd like to uh, jump on with some sort of a package. I'm sure the Jets would be more than happy to help you out with that. You can go to winnipegjets.com for more information on all of that. Let me give a big shout out and thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products too, uh, get on down to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or you can shop online at myvita.ca. Orders in by 11 a.m. will be delivered citywide the same day. And right now, get a free gift when you place an order of $100 or more at myvita.ca. And of course, there's a lot of stress around these days. You know, it's back to school, the upcoming holidays. You can try Health First Ashwagandha Supreme, known for its stress-lowering effects and helping reduce mental stress, anxiety, cortisol level, and even stress-related food cravings. And it's on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, well, what a summer it's been for our friends over at Wallace & Wallace. You know that they're the fencing leaders in town. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. What you might not be aware of, though, is that they're also the leader in overhead garage doors. As the Clopay dealer in Manitoba with the largest selection of overhead garage doors in the province. And that door... Had a lot of ups and downs this summer, and it's about to work a whole lot harder coming up this winter because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And again, you can pop by and see them at on their uh, at their office space lawson road just off of route 90 and uh a yeah, big shout out to the gang down at f apparel got a chance to see uh andrew's parent andrew parks's parents at the game last night wonderful people worked with his mother on the uh, world women's hockey championship uh but andrew alex and the gang at f are the go-to guys for menswear in winnipeg and fellas if you're looking in your closet realizing you need to step up your menswear game as we head towards the holidays you need to get on down to f apparel Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are getting married, good luck with that, uh, or if you're in a wedding party, make sure to talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount when you and the fellas get done up for the big day at F Apparel. You can pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more online and make an appointment to pop in and see him at F. That's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right. Jets and Oilers tomorrow night. A battle of one and three teams. Both teams losing last night. One maybe in a more disappointing fashion than the other. Let's uh, look ahead to that and get the latest on the local club with Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. Billick, what's going on? What's going on, man? I got my grocery shopping done this morning. Feeling fresh. Feeling good. Yeah. Good to get that out of the way early on a Friday. Always nice. love that. What yeah. um, did you get? Like uh, normal adult food, or uh, was it basically like a house order? A bunch of frozen pizzas, Diet Pepsi. Yeah. There was uh, a couple. There was a couple frozen pizzas. <laughs> um, there was an extra one of these, an extra two of these. At least it's somewhat healthy, right? Like it's zero sugar. I don't know. <laughs> That's what we. Yeah, there you shows. go. I mean, you, you got the diet, the Diet Pepsi there. Whatever, aspartame is what it is. But yeah, no, I, there was a couple frozen pizzas. I finally decided to try these rustica ones. It's like I guess what was the other one? The one that went away was it like Delicio or whatever? Like yes. that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I'm trying this rustica one. Is that the superstore one? 
No, no, it's uh, it's at Walmart. Oh, um, okay. I can't afford to. Sh- well, I guess Superstore is just as cheap. But yeah, uh, on a down on a down yeah. day, maybe going into the holidays, I'll have to update my frozen pizza rankings. We haven't done a frozen pizza oh, power poll in a while. That'd be awesome. Like, yeah. I, I won't that's, lie. I mean, people have seen how big I am. But, you know, so <laughs> I've eaten a few frozen pizzas in my it's, time. It's, it's a few areas of expertise in life. That's one of them. So, um, <laughs> you know, say, I, if you want to do a frozen pizza poll, I'd, I'd be all for it. Thanks. Hey, um, let's get yeah. to. Uh, I mean, obviously, I want to talk about this game tomorrow and the uh, you know what we expect to see the challenge for the Jets going into face what will in all likelihood be a very ornery Edmonton Oilers team, but. Um, Listen, we spent a lot of time talking about the disappointment of Tuesday, the Velarde injury, the crowd, the Kings squeezing the Jets in those final two periods. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the way they played for 60 minutes last night against Vegas, albeit in a losing cause? Yeah, you know, I think it, it, it's weird, Hus, because I think like the Jets are doing a lot of things right on the ice. But the problem is the things that they're doing wrong are just costing them valuable points right Big now. Time. You know, like, and, and, and I think that's. It's a weird spot to be in because I think when you look at the downfall last season or the year before that or whatever, like you could point to areas of this team, many of them that were, you know, different than what this year, like this team this year is in the top third and expected goals through four games, the top third, I think they're top five in terms of puck possession, but now it's the goaltending, right? They've allowed, what is it? 19 goals now, I believe in four games, they have the league worst goals against average, the league worst team save percentage right now. Like those aren't things that we were used to talking about with this team, right? And so you go into that Vegas game, and, and I gave you know part of my just my lead in my story last night was like you got to give the Jets credit. Like they could have packed it in down three one against the you know the defending Stanley Cup champions last night, and then Cole Perfetti catches. I mean the Jets kind of just caught. Vegas sleeping a little bit off of the the ensuing faceoff after after Alec Martinez's third goal, and Perfetti and, and Nemestikov and and Ehlers really too. That line made a great you know play to to put a puck in the back of the net, and then they're back into it, right? So this team didn't lay down and quit like we've seen them do in the past. Dare we say uh, there was some pushback in the third? Well, and that's it, right? I mean that that like so like we're seeing things that here at the you know in the infancy of this season that that are good. And that we, you know, I think for Jets fans, it's a sight for sore eyes to see some of these things taking place. But then there's still problems. There's almost like new problems, right? Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't expect Connor Hellbuck to be in the basement in in a lot of these stats like he is right now over, you know, an 82-game season. Like, it is is the worst start of his career over three starts. Um, But he generally hasn't really started all that well at times and, and, and has picked it up over time. You know, Brissois, and, and then what do you do? Like, do you actually blame the goalies for some of the goals that are getting scored? Because I think, I think if we're going to look at something that's carried over through a lot of this, it's it's the defense that just hasn't been good enough. And so, while you do have you know Mark Scheifele's line back checking, or you you know you have really good defensive you know posture from from some of the other lines on this team, I, I still think that the defense on this team, on the blue line at least, just hasn't been up to snuff yet, and. And so, so there is that. I mean, if you're going to point to one thing that's kind of carried over, it is that. But, but, but I agree. Like, I, I think there's offensive capabilities on this team. We saw it last night. I think they, they do have a, a desire to get back into games this year um, or like early on. Like, I think there's always been a desire, but they have the ability, I guess, to do that. Um, you know, even with Gabe Velarde out last night, I thought the forward lines looked really good. I, I believe the analytics 
back up all of what I'm saying right now. Uh, you know, the, the, again, outside of that Los Angeles game on Tuesday where the Jets kind of got caved in a little bit, um, the Jets have been really good. And and, and so, yeah, it, it's sort of strange, right? I mean, I, I you know, it's hard to kind of – it's hard to kind of you, you can't really crap on the team because they played pretty you're generally well, but they're still one three and zero to start the year. So yeah, it's, it's tough, it's and results. they're going into Edmonton against an ornery team that's also with the same mm-hmm. record and just got you know crap kicked by by the Philadelphia Flyers. And so yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's a losing weird one. the first two games against <clears throat> uh, I mean the eight one embarrassment to start it off, and then following yeah. that up with a loss at home, of which Casey DeSmith was a huge huge part of. We're yeah. going to talk about the Oilers and that game last night and where things are at with them with Dustin Nielsen coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I mean, you sort of nailed it, and I went through this off the top of the program. Uh, there's a lot of things that the Jets seem to be much better at and are doing uh, a much better job of. And, you know, I, I think I give a lot of credit to the forward lines and the way things are clicking there. Yeah. But, you know, the combination of defensive uh, gaffes Goaltending, which hasn't been anywhere near the standard that has been set here. Um, and obviously that's been a big part of the penalty kill woes, yeah. which have which have uh, hurt the Winnipeg Jets. And again, we're talking about four games. It's basically been a week. So you would yeah. hope that that is a blip. But, I mean, it won't really matter. Um, I mean, I don't think this team is set to win seven, six games. <laughs> so yeah. if they can't you know, do a better job of helping their netminders out, first of all, without, you know, handing over glorious chances and, you know, the turnovers and giveaways that mm-hmm. we've seen that have been really, really problematic and were on display last night. None of that is going to matter. But um, to, to me, the guy, I'm, I'm going to be there in the, in the rink tomorrow night in Edmonton. I mean, I'm looking at one guy to sort of lead the way, and that's 37. He's going to be yeah. back in after getting a few days of rest didn't even see him. I'm not sure if he returned to the bench later on last night, but uh, I know he wasn't there in the first period. He doesn't often sit on the bench for home games. He's just kicking it, just kicking yeah. in the back. He, like he doesn't. Brassois does. Riddick did, um, but he 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 does not. Uh, he likes to stay loose in the thing, so that's not a that's not abnormality or anything like that. He he just doesn't do it. So. Well, hopefully he was just uh, you know mentally preparing. <laughs> for what will be a big-time challenge tomorrow because as bad as the Oilers have looked for the most part this year, I mean, they came in and they thumped Nashville as they always do, 6-1 earlier yeah. this week, but followed that up with a 3-1 stinker last night to the Philadelphia Flyers, um, one in which, you know, they weren't very engaged. They didn't do much in the uh, third period. Uh, even got a F-bomb out of uh, <laughs> yeah, Jay Woodcroft. So um, this is, I mean, uh, listen, I think if the Jets continue to do a lot of the things that they've been doing well, you know, they'll give themselves a chance to win. Mm-hmm. But their best players need to be their best player. And their best player, as far as I'm concerned, for the last number of years has been Connor Hellebuck. He hasn't been up to his usual level of excellence right now. And it would be a great time tomorrow for this hockey club and this fan base if uh, he could get back to being that guy that was a finalist for the Vesna last week because – even if the Oilers yeah. aren't playing their best, the talent that they're rolling out on that top line, on that top power play, yeah. is going to make you uh, going to make you need to be right at the top of your level if you want to uh, you want to compete. Never mind win that hockey game. Yeah, and you know the Jets don't want to become the team that gets Edmonton going again, right? Like I think the Jets want to be the team that uses Edmonton to get themselves going again. You know what I mean? Like. 
Edmonton's having the same issues. They're having goaltender issues, right? They, they still have defensive issues in Edmonton. That's part of, you know, the problem that Edmonton's had for the last, you know, couple of seasons, probably what's really kind of kept them from turning into that, 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 that Stanley cup champion, even, uh, you know, if you will, uh, of a team, because they're so, I mean, they have two of the best players. They have the best player in the world. And then you could argue they also have the second best player in the world. Um, you know, there, there's an argument that dry is that good. And, and he's shown it over his career. And, and you know those guys are itching, right? You know they're itching. So, yeah, they need Connor Hellbuck to come in and give them you – know, like, you look at this team right now, and you're like, if they had average goaltending right now, they could be 4-0, right? And, and, and so, like, that's – you know, the L.A. game it was bad, so maybe they'd be 3-1. and one. But, but either way, like, I mean, if you just had average goaltending right now and a little bit of better defensive play, the record's probably flipped, right? So I, I think that's – you know, if you're looking for a silver lining right now or something positive or – or whatever amongst all, all the stuff that's going on with this team at the moment. Um, you know, it, it is like, the, it's not like, it's not like they're, they're struggling in these games outside of the, the, the Kings game. Um, they've played really well. They, they probably deserve to win in Calgary, but they got goalied. Uh, and, you know, there, there's a good case that they, that they should have probably, well, you know, it, it was a good case that they they were in the mix last night. Um, oh, Logan Thompson and so, was And Logan was Thompson makes absurd. a paddle save and then one off the blocker, right? Like, he made two incredible saves in that game where the Jets should have been, you know, probably up 3-1 instead of down 3-1. So, it, it just – I mean, it happens that way. That, that, that's the way it goes. It's hockey. Um, but, I mean, that's – you can't really use that excuse for too long, right? Like, I think that – I think that, you know, the, the naysayers would have said, you know, the Jets could finish 1-4 and four. Um, in their first five games before they visit the lowly blues or the, sorry, they welcome the lowly blues next Tuesday. Um, and that's a very real possibility now. Right. And so, you know, yeah, they need to go into Edmonton tomorrow night mm-hmm. and, and kind of shake off kind of what's happened to them. And, and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I think, I mean, you shouldn't be talking about, you know, Hellbuck needing rest or anything like that, but maybe just a chance to kind of reset himself. Yeah, after I, some games that he's not, yeah, probably not not too happy with. Yeah, and listen, I mean, Bones had said earlier, and I kind of was expecting the opposite of this, that, you know, if the, say, L.A. and Vegas were flipped on the schedule, that you know, LB may have gone on Tuesday and come back with Hellebuck tonight, but they wanted to run Helly in the first three games, um, obviously a one and two record. LB got the start last night. Uh, listen, it's undeniable that the Jets have had the second best goalie in all four of their games right now, and that certainly does yeah. need to change. It'll be a big opportunity tomorrow night. Um, I wanted to ask you about Nikolai Ehlers. From my perspective, he looked a lot more in the second half of yesterday's game mm-hmm. like the Nick Ehlers that is such an impactful player. And <clears throat> I guess it makes sense that you know he basically wasn't around training camp at all, and maybe you yeah. get a bit of a mulligan. Uh, this team's not going to win the game's that they need to if they don't have Nikolai Ehlers playing at a much better level. But, I mean, really good signs I think we saw with his play throughout last night um, and actually got rewarded on it as well with a couple of big points. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things here, Huss. Like, you know, one one is he missed pretty much all of training camp, right? I mean, you, you said it. I mean, missed pretty much all of training camp. He didn't play in a single game. Most of his skates were IR skates. And when he got in with the team, it was, you know, you know there, were, there were some, but he wasn't, you could tell he wasn't pushing as hard and, and because he wasn't, wasn't asked to, right? I mean, he was just trying to manage the neck in, injury that he had. Um, and the second thing is, you know, I think now, 
you move Vlad Nestikov next to him. Rick Bonus talked glowingly yesterday, and the reason why that they put Nestikov to second line center is because of the, the the chemistry that him and Ehlers had. And that was on display last night. I mean, I thought that line looked really good. I thought Cole Perfetti played a really good game last night. Um, and not that he hadn't played well at center, but, you know, this team, obviously with the Velarde injury, has to figure out and move some stuff around. Um, it, it was a good decision to put Nemestikov up there. I, I think people, I mean, I was seeing yesterday, it's like, well, Jets are in a bad spot if they have to have Nemestikov as their second line center. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, well, I think, I think a big Mestikov part of that Good job. I think a big part of that, yeah. to be honest, is trying to get Ehlers going. I mean, Ehlers had to get going. There was absolutely no doubt. And, I mean, again, we're talking about small sample sizes. But, I mean, Ehlers is is, is a, a, a very unique player. And we've seen him play with some of the best players that the Winnipeg Jets have had come through, and it really hasn't clicked. Yeah. And I think they sort of leaned on the fact that when those players played together last year during some injuries – Nemetsnikov seemed to really get Ehlers going and open it up for him. And I think we saw that develop through. And as far as Perfetti goes, I mean, thank God he scored that goal on a beautiful setup from Nemetsnikov. Very, very clever. You could see how much it meant to him, too. Oh, eh? my God. The celebration was like, it was like, I don't know. He didn't really throw the monkey off his back, I guess. But like, you could tell he was pretty damn happy to score that goal. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, after that just, save I mean, in the first, first period, never mind right. what had happened earlier this season. I mean, you can't say but that they haven't for, been getting their chances. And good for Perfetti for keeping his head and wits about him, right? I mean, you you could. I mean, it's been – it hasn't been – I wouldn't say it's a tough start for Perfetti, but it, you know, the center experiment hasn't gone as planned. He got drilled from behind last game again. I mean, it, this guy is just a magnet for bad hits. Um, and so, like, you know, you just – you could tell he's a little down – and I don't know if he's down on himself or, or whatever, or he's just down on, on, on his luck maybe. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really talked to him about it, but you, you could tell it just like, yeah, that goal meant a, that goal meant a ton for him. Um, it's been a long time since he scored. And yeah, I mean, he's been through a lot over the last three seasons. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that Cole, I asked Rick Bonus about this yesterday. I don't think, I don't think Cole Perfetti is going to take it as, I mean, not as much of a negative as you probably could. Like, I think he understands why he's being moved back out to the wing. And part of that could be, as you said, getting Nikolai Ehlers going and just getting some, you know, getting some offense from that line. Worked last night, right? I mean, they score a goal. It's a big goal. Um, Obviously, uh, it was a good answer after going down 3-1. That's what you want. That's what you want from that that second line. Um, Because you need to depend on it. and, and I, you know, I thought obviously the third line looks tremendous. You know, whether you have Niederreiter, I'm surprised Niederreiter wasn't put on the top line. If we're being honest, but they looked good last night. Obviously with Alex Iafalo and and oh, and Adam that's, Lowry, that's that line best, is unbelievable. That's so, the best. That's the best uh, company for Adam Lowry he's maybe ever had in his yeah, career. Yeah, and, right and good now. for Adam Lowry finally when he was just the, he was basically the gatekeeper for guys mm-hmm. moving up the lineup, right? Like it was either this guy's going to be good or he's going to be bad. And we're going to let Adam kind of deal with it. Now, now Adam just has a line where he can just play hockey again, right? And I think that's what's allowed him. And, and I'll say one other thing. Rasmus Kapari, I, I thought he was sensational last night. Like, you know, here's the thing with Kapari. He might not be whatever, like, you know, the, he might not be the flashiest player or whatever, but he shoots the puck. He puts the puck on. Go ahead. And, and, and I just, I, I keep thinking, like, when's the last time this team had a fourth line setter with speed, the, the, the tenacity, the willingness to shoot the puck? 
I thought he was good with Gustafson last night. Like, Gustafson hasn't played yet this year, but I think Gus had uh, had a good game. The Gus bus was rolling uh, again. Um, I, I think that fourth line is actually pretty good. And and so and I think a large part of it is Kapari. Uh, never mind, he's a good penalty killer. Um, I think you could put him on the second unit power play if you wanted to because he likes to shoot and has a pretty good shot and his speed. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, like I said, you know, off the top here, like I think this Jets team – is doing a lot of good things. It's just shooting itself. Like as, as Rick bonus said last night, the shots that they're, the bullets are putting into their feet right now are crippling them at this point. And, and, and that's, that's really the, the, the difference between, between wins and losses so far. Yeah, and, you, you gotta, so, yeah. you gotta definitely clean that up uh, going up against a team like the Edmonton Oilers. And, yeah. and I'll say one thing. I mean, like I, I know some people kind of were on Appleton and the decision to put him up there. Um, yeah, I thought he, like as always, he's busting his ass. He's got to be a dog out yeah. there. You know, is he Gabriel Velarde? Definitely not. But if they do make a change, I would love to just see them simply swap Appleton and Kupari, move Gus sure. to center on that fourth line. Because to be honest, and I think we'll see this tomorrow night in Edmonton. I'm expecting to see this. A ton of Adam Lowry, Nito Niederreiter, and Alex Iafallo going up against those top teams. And and that line is presently constructed, has the opportunity to spend a lot more time in the other team's end. And as we saw with Iafallo mm-hmm. last night and the myriad of chances that Nino's had so far this season, the ability to uh, to create some offense. It should be an interesting one. Scotty, great stuff. And we didn't even have to talk about attendance today. We'll get to that, I'm sure, <laughs> at some point next week. A little bit better last night, Tough but one. still yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of work to be done. You have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. We'll catch up next week. Yeah, it sounds good, Huss. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. There's Scotty Billick. You can uh, read all of his work, along with Ted Freezer and the gang in the Winnipeg Sun. Well, we had a great conversation with Ed Tate. Bombers tomorrow. <laughs> Fourth straight sellout. What a season that this team has had in the stands. And hopefully they can continue doing what they've been doing on the field to uh, get back to the Grey Cup and get that cup back to Winnipeg. Princess Auto tailgate party gets going tomorrow at 4 p.m. 350 pop, 350 hot dogs, $5 beers. Get in there early. Get loud and get ready to watch the Bombers hopefully officially clinch the Western Division title again in the Canadian Football League. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and WST, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Popeye and CM Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and uh, you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, I know Joe and uh, probably Spicy and the gang will be out at that game. It's the weekend, but they've been working hard at Consolidated Supply with so many products and services to help you, your property, and your business. Consolidated Supply are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf cars and vehicles from the Club Car Collection is the exclusive dealer in Manitoba. They've also got other great options for your property, including hot tubs, which might come in handy this winter, and amazing outdoor kitchens. And they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Popeye and Sea Consolidated Supply at their showroom, open to the public. They're at 1395 Niagara Road East, or you can find out more online at their website at cte.ca. Well, big bomber game tomorrow. Jet season in full effect right now. 
If you need to up your fan gear, you know where to go. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Tons of bomber gear, especially as it gets a little colder. Toques, scarves, and more for that run to the Grey Cup. And uh, thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise. All the new jerseys customized as you want with your favorite player right now. Also got a great NFL selection with all 32 NFL teams. Raptors coming up just around the corner. International soccer. And hey, the hockey's back. Hockey season well underway at all levels. And Royal Sports for 40 years has been the undisputed hockey superstore in town. For all your needs, they're waiting for you. 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina. Hey, what a great night tomorrow. Many of you will be going to IG Field to watch the Bombers wrap up the West, hopefully. And then as soon as that game's over, why don't you head on down to your local BP post-game if you're not doing a doubleheader there to watch the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, happy hour prices in effect between 9 and 12, which just happens to be the start of the game. And you'll be able to chow down on all the great new appy features as well. Not to mention ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. Staying at home, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Hacksaw coming up in a minute. We will get to, well, a few minutes. Um, we're going to get to the NFL notebook. We, of course, will have the marble race. But with me going to Edmonton, Dusty coming to Winnipeg, Bombers and Elks, Jets and Oilers, how could we not have our pal Dustin Nielsen from TSN and Edmonton Sports Talk join us today on WST. Dusty, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Kind of a bizarre weekend. Uh, Huss and Dusty, <laughs> trading places, if you will, and a lot of Edmonton Winnipeg sports talk to get to. So a perfect time to have you on before you jump on a plane and come out here. And uh, I head out to your spot. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. That's so bizarre. It's just so <laughs> weird. Like I'm coming to Winnipeg. You're coming. And I'm going out there for a football game and you're coming out here for a hockey game. It's like worlds just didn't align right on this one. But, uh, you know, hopefully we see two good games on both fronts. We'll see how it plays out. Let's start off with the hockey teams because both in similar situations. Um, you know, the Jets at times have played quite well, haven't had the results. Where are the Oilers, other than having their coach drop an F-bomb last night after a loss to the Philadelphia Flyers of all teams? Yeah, uh, it's not a good spot to be in right now. I mean, I, th I thought, you know, when they started 0-2 against Vancouver, the first game against Vancouver was awful. And they, were, they didn't deserve any better than the spanking that they got. Second game against Vancouver, they actually had like 40 shots on goal and Casey DeSmith was outstanding probably deserved a little bit of a better result in that one. And then the game against Nashville, they always own Nashville. Like Leon Dreisaitl scores a goal per game against Nashville. It's a given. They usually beat Nashville by two or more. So we cashed some tickets on that one. And then I thought they would use that to actually sort of get on track. I thought that Nashville game was going to push them in the right direction. And then they go out to Philly and just lay an, lay an egg. Like it was not good from the very beginning of that hockey game. And I know Philly was coming in off that shutout of the Canucks. So, I mean, maybe Philly's not as much of a train wreck as they were last year, but still, when you look at that roster on paper compared to the others on paper, the Edmonton Oilers should win that hockey game nine times out of 10. This was the one that they didn't. And you know, the first two periods, there was some effort there. The third period starts. They're down by, by two, they're down three, one. And they went through the motions. Like they had four shots on goal down two against Philly, who has a blue line that three guys, the average hockey fan, probably don't even know who they are. 
and they only could muster up four shots on goal. So it was a horrible game. Evander Kane hasn't done anything yet this year. Uh, Bouchard was a train wreck last night. He just physically wasn't engaged. Jack Campbell had one that he probably liked back last night, but he, the other three, I don't think he he should have stopped. And even on the power play, I mean, a power play that's usually deadly, Connor McDavid tries a little drop pass back towards the blue line, gets picked off, and Sean Walker walks, walks down the wing and, and snipes one to put them up 3-1. I mean, you think they're getting a power play, maybe tied at two. Instead, it's 3-1, and that was the biggest moment in the game last night. After that, they just really never recovered. And as you mentioned, Woodcroft out of the game, who's usually very composed, drops an F-bomb, apologizes shortly after, but they, you know, they, they can tell us, oh, I'm not frustrated, I'm not frustrated. But when Jay Woodcroft's dropping F-bombs after a 1-3 and three start, I think you're a little frustrated, Huss. Uh, how, uh, how's the captain doing? 97. Um, this is not... Listen, this team was a Stanley Cup favorite going in. He's got high expectations. The team has high expectations. Can't imagine Connor's too uh, pleased with the way his team's come yeah, out of the game. I, I, don't, I don't think he's pleased. He was, he was pretty composed post-game last night. He had a run-in yesterday. Unlike the with, coach. Yeah, unlike the coach. Yeah. Uh, him and Kane collided yesterday and everybody held their breath for a moment because he kind of got up and was stretching on his leg, went to the bench. Then they scored. The other team scored actually uh, shortly after. He was pretty composed last night. Like the weird thing is, is that like this, they like, pretty much, you know, we talked about it a month ago. I think you were mocking. It's like they pretty much had any, everybody in town like two weeks before training camp doing captain skates. Like everybody was here. It's like, oh, they're focused. They're ready to go. And it really has been the exact opposite. Like the last two years, they've started nine and one and seven and three. And now they're one and three coming out of the gate this year. And maybe the most bizarre thing about last night is that Connor McDavid didn't even have a shot on goal last night. Yeah. He didn't even have a shot on goal and had a turnover that led to the, to the insurance marker in the hockey game. So, you know, I would expect he probably cranks things up a notch on, on Saturday, but this is the issue that they went down. They they started 0 and 2. So then they put McDavid and dry settle together to get the win and they get the win. Mm -hmm. But then they come out and lay a dud. And now what now like your big move always is to go back to McDavid and Drysaddle. Now coming off a loss, I would think you probably split them up again and you're kind of back to square one. So um we'll see. Like it'll be interesting here. If they if they I know it's early, but if they lose to Winnipeg and start the year one and four, people are gonna be losing their mind in this city. Well, that's the crazy thing about Saturday's game, is that I think you're gonna have major angst. Uh, and at least one of those fan bases on Sunday. And I think that a win, I mean, listen, if Winnipeg was able to go into Edmonton and win to get to two and three, come back for St. Louis, I think it'd be a pretty positive start to the week. But it's the exact same thing on the other side. I mean, for how well the Jets have played at times this year, they're still one and three. They're still figuring it out without Gabriel Velarde, who's now out for four to six weeks. The second line is certainly... Uh, I mean, when, um, in progress, um, there's a lot of work to it, although Nikolai Ehlers looked better in the second half. But for game number five of the season, it is sort of hilarious, but we should be seeing two desperate hockey clubs on Saturday night at Rogers Arena. Yeah, I think so. We had Mike Johnson on Nielsen's show this morning, and we talked a little bit about you know the Winnipeg Jets, and I mean, you can kind of clarify this one on me. Philadelphia, like, I don't know, it, maybe it's just John Trotter. Like, Philly didn't give up much last night. I'll give Philly credit. It's not like it's not like the Oilers got goalied. Could be that Philly just kind of sucked the life out of that hockey game, took advantage of some opportunities themselves. One thing MJ said this morning on our show was that Winnipeg's a team that has been given a bunch of shots. Like you should be able to generate chances against the Winnipeg Jets. So if that's if that's true, 
and this thing gets opened up a little bit, I think that's probably a good thing for the Edmonton Oilers, as long as Stuart Skinner, who I'm thinking is probably going to get the start on Saturday, as long as he kind of finds his game a little bit. Because if things if things open up and Hellebuck's at one end and the Oilers have a struggling Stuart Skinner at the other end, that might not go over extremely well. Because when the Oilers open things up, guess what? They're extremely dangerous in their own end too, which could make to a really nice over on uh, on Saturday night. Well, well see. I'll say this. I mean, I'm looking forward to a fun and exciting game, regardless of which way it goes. And, you know, it's ironic that Mike would say that because, you know, last night the Jets out shot Vegas, I think it was 38-25. The first two games of the season, I mean, when you put together the expected goals and the shots and chances generated, they were number one in the league. They certainly weren't that way against the Los Angeles Kings. They had a nice period and then had two real rough periods. But I think the Jets overall feel like they played 10 quality periods out of 12 for the most part. But... Which is more than you can say about the Oilers. Like, well, we can't say that about Edmonton, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the expectations are so much higher for Edmonton, and that's with the, with the questions. The thing is, last night, um, you know, the Jets still have a knack for massive mistakes, turnovers... And the Edmonton Oilers are a team that will make you pay. But um, you mentioned Stuart Skinner. One of the things that, you know, unfortunately, that's normally a calling card of the Winnipeg Jets is having the best goalie on the ice. And Connor Hellebuck had a rough first week. Loren Brassois made some good saves last night, but, you know, unfortunately took the loss. So I think everyone is going to be looking for a big bounce back game from Hellebuck. And he'll be up for a game like this against the Oilers. Um, you know, we were talking all offseason about the goaltending situation. Stuart Skinner, of course, we had the infamous, will Jack Campbell start the opener bet on the cool bet in the lock shop that came through. Where are things at right now with the uh, with the goaltending? Because, I mean, listen, when you start off getting pumped 8-1, it's probably not a great start for either guy. But um, is there a number one right now? Has either guy separated himself or have both guys been somewhat concerning? Um. No, I would. Th- I would think. I don't think this team will ever have a number one. I think it will always kind of go back and forth between these two. But there is no debate that Jack Campbell has been better than Stuart Skinner so far. Even going back to the preseason, read what you want into the preseason. But Jack Campbell had a really nice preseason. Stuart Skinner had a so-so preseason. That first game of the year where they both played, uh, Jack Campbell. I didn't blame him. I think they kind of yanked him after four, just like as a mercy pull in the first game. Skinner came in. He let in a couple of goals I think he'd like to have back. He started the next game, only had a 750 save percentage. So then they go to Campbell. Campbell was excellent against Nashville. I know they won 6-1, but Campbell was actually arguably the best player they had on the ice that night. He was outstanding. And then they went back to Campbell last night. And like I said, I mean, three of the four, I don't necessarily think he should have had. So Jack Campbell has been the best goalie so far. Stuart Skinner has now allowed eight goals and has a save percentage of 750 in one and a half games. So this is a big, I'm, I'm, they'll go to Stuart Skinner on Saturday. He needs, he needs to have a big one because so far this year, he's, he's been, he looks like a guy who might be hit by the old sophomore slump, you know, after being a Calder nominee last year. So, you know, if that happens with Skinner, they're going to need, they're going to need Jack Campbell have a really nice year. And the way he's played so far, Jack Campbell looks like he's going to have a better year than he had last year. Uh, Dustin Nielsen from Edmonton Sports Talks with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for Jets Oilers on Saturday. And we're going to get to Bombers Elks in just a minute. I do want to ask you, though, about the expectations for this team. 
because, I mean, you've covered this team for a long time, doing the AM Nasty on the old station and now on EST. How different, if at all, was, I mean, listen, they've had Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel. Everyone knew that the talent has been there for the last number of years. But it seemed like this was the year that the expectations had finally risen to the point that anything other than winning the West and being in the Cup Final and winning it would probably be a bit of a disappointment. And now you've got this start. How would you categorize the expectations and how the team has handled it through training camp and up until this point? Well, we had we had Wyshynski on this morning as well, and he picked the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. A lot but of first people of all, did. I, yeah, a lot of people did. Myself and I think I, I declared them they're going to win on like September sixteenth. I was like, today's the day. The Edmonton Oilers are going to win the Stanley Cup. But I did give Wyshynski a chance to back out today. I said, listen, one in three in the first four. If you want to change your pick, you can change your pick. He goes, no, I'm going to stick with them. Um, you know, the ex- I, I, part of me is wondering if this is them trying to deal with expectations. You know, like everybody has said, like the last few years, some people have picked them, but they weren't the Stanley Cup favorite heading into the season, which they are this year in a lot of places where you looked. So, you know, maybe it was a fool's decision to, to say that they would win the Stanley Cup because the only thing they did in the offseason was add Connor Brown, who hadn't played hockey in a year. Right, like they pretty much ran it back outside of also removing Yamamoto, also removing Clem Costin, not having Nick Bugstad, who they got at the deadline last year, and people are already calling for them to trade back again at the deadline this year to bring him back as well. Um, the blue line is still the same. The goaltenders are still the same. And that was an issue for the team last year. So I know it's super early. They're going to win a bunch of games on the strength of their power play again, but they're going to be in the playoffs and it all comes back around to, you know, are you different than you were last year? And the roster this year compared to the one that they ended the season with last year it isn't better. Like, it's it's not as deep. So, I, I you know, maybe an unfair hype train to get going, but you just look at what Connor McDavid does, and you're like, how does this guy not deliver a championship at some point in his career? All of these all-time greats eventually do. And, you know, they certainly have the pieces around him to do it, but they're just not going right now. Uh, I did catch a quite humorous post-game call in Edmonton last week suggesting that maybe Dreisaitl in a first could get Casey DeSmith out of Vancouver. Um, <laughs> you know, there's always that sort of insanity. But we know these Canadian markets, there's always someone that's feeling the heat. Who's the lightning rod of the 2023-2024 Oilers? Well, Darnell Nurse has been the lightning rod forever, but Evan Bouchard's doing his best job to take it away from him. Uh, Bouchard last night was minus three. He had a play along the boards where like, he had the puck, he lost the puck, Flyer took it from him. He went to try to play him, but didn't play him physically. The guy walked right around him, and they went in and scored. So Bouchard, when he's engaged, is a really good defenseman. When he's not engaged, he's an absolute train wreck defensively, but still amazing offensively. Like he's 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 just he needs to find some like he needs to find a little bit be an ass. Like go hit somebody, cross check somebody. Like he just it was a good way. Who did? Uh, yeah, it was MJ this morning. He described him as playing casually comfortable, and that's a great way to describe how Bouchard looks when he's on the ice. And I, I look, I, I I love him offensively, but. Describing him as playing casually comfortable defensively is the best way to describe him. Uh, so Winnipeg time, 9 p.m. Saturday night. It's Jets and Oilers, and uh, that will be following 6 p.m. on TSN and another great crowd coming up at IG Field, the Bombers and the Elks. You will be in Winnipeg to call that game. 
What do you expect on Saturday between these two clubs? Um, obviously, the Bombers want to win this and take care. Tonight's result could change their need to win that, but I think we all expect BC to do their part and get the win. Um, and then you got the Elks, who are playing for next year right now, but have been a much better team in the second half of the year than they were going 0-9 in the first half. Yeah, I would. You know what I do expect? I expect a pretty exciting offensively played football game. Like that's what I'm expecting. Like the Elks defense, they are getting Niles Morgan back, which is big. He's 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 the center of that defensive middle linebacker. Jake Serez and AC Leonard have both had great seasons. They're both double digits in sacks. Like they're big pieces. I do believe they're getting Niles Morgan back, which is going to make them better. They're getting Scott Hutter back uh, on special teams. He's one of their better special team players. You know, we talked about it on the lock shop a little bit earlier in the week. Trey Ford and his legs can cause issues for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, like some other quarterbacks have for the Bombers. So I, I would, I think that Trey Ford is, Trey Ford is a fascinating study right now because, you know, he is throwing just under 70%. You know, he's a threat on the ground. We saw what he did early in that one game against Winnipeg. And then the Bombers obviously stormed back after Zach left that game and, and Drew Brown came in. Um, but I, I do think sometimes he actually forces the pass when he could run a little bit. I'd like to see him sort of activate the legs even a little bit more this week against Winnipeg. Because he has the weapons. Like Kyron Moore's having a pretty nice season. Geno Lewis, when healthy this year, has been outstanding. Dunbar's been out for a while, so that doesn't count. But he's got Dylan Mitchell. And then they've got, you know, outside outside of Brady Oliveira, who, you know, I think it's a runaway and maybe a healthy A.J. Ouellette when he's healthy. Kevin Brown is a phenomenal running back. Like Kevin Brown might be the second best running back in the Canadian Football League. He's averaging like six points. He, he's averaging more yards per carry than Brady Oliveira. It's like... Brown is legit. So you have this run attack when you can get it going of Brown and then boom forward. They should be able to put us some points here. I think on the road in Winnipeg and you know, the bombers are going to put up points. So I'd, ex- I'd expect this game to, I don't know, like we think they're probably going to cover, but does this game end up being 35, 27 or something like that? I could see something along those lines. Well, and the thing is the bomber defense, which at times looks, you know, every bit the championship caliber defense that we've seen, you know, for the, throughout the last number of years, you know, has sometimes had a little slow start, yeah. has been less engaged against some of the lower teams. But I think with the challenge at hand, knowing what's at stake, knowing what the job is for Winnipeg, get this win, be able to rest your players in that final game, and most importantly, book that West final for IG Field on November 11th. Um, you know, you would hope that maybe some of those missteps that the that units had earlier are um, avoidable coming up uh, for this game. Uh, as far as the Canadian Football League goes right now, and the West in particular, um, I think we're all expecting BC and Winnipeg to be playing here on the 11th of November. <laughs> You've called a lot of Ryder games and a lot of Stamps games. What do you make of this race for third place? <laughs> And are the Riders going to do it for two straight years, not win a game past Labor Day and uh, run the table in the wrong way? Yeah, I think they probably are. Like, and that, and that's, but I also think like Riders fans have got to the point where they want that. Like, you know, you know, well, you've seen it in Winnipeg over the years. I've seen it in Edmonton for a decade prior to McDavid sort of arriving on the scene. Like you realize where your organization's at. You realize what they've become and you want, change to try to turn things around because you care so passionately about the organization. Craig Dickinson is an awesome dude. When I like, I chat with a lot of these coaches every week and he's one of the nicest, like not just from a coach level, like actually, you know what? The CFL is a really good spot. All these coaches are great guys. <laughs> like they're all absolutely incredible, but 
Greg's like out of his way nice. Like I don't want to I don't want to see that guy lose his job. But I don't know how you save his job or the general manager's job or at this point if you listen to sports radio in Regina, you know, the president's job. Like people in people in Ryderville are calling for change from top to bottom and when you finish the last two seasons if they do end up losing to the Argos, you finish the last two years 0 and 14 over your final 7 weeks. I mean, that has to lead to a house cleaning. So you know, it's, it's kind of weird because their issue is defense. Like Emelis is having a great year. Sean Bain Jr. is having a great year. I guess Tevin Jones has some playbook issues, but he was on pace for a thousand yards. And this is with a combination of Mason Fine and Jake Dolagala. It's not even with Trevor Harris at quarterback and Jamal Morrow when they actually run him, uh, you know, he does pretty well. So they too have some pieces. And as far as, as far as Calgary goes, you know, this is, the other Dickinson's first year doing all the jobs. And I think it probably has been a little bit overwhelming for him trying to find players that can come in. Reggie Bagleton is such a focal point of that offense and they didn't even have him last week and still ended up winning that game. So the, the real story here is that the race for third between Calgary and Saskatchewan doesn't even involve the third best team in the West right now, which is Edmonton. Like I'd take Edmonton in a playoff game over either of those two teams right now. I really would. <laughs> it's funny you say that because, you know, for about the last month, I've been looking ahead to this game, knowing what was at stake, first of all, in the Toronto and BC games, but knowing that this game might be important for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when it came to winning the West, I've thought the exact same thing. I mean, BC and Winnipeg are in a class of their own, but of those three teams, I think the friskiest and most dangerous team right now is the team that we know will not be in the playoffs, the Edmonton Elks. And listen, they had nowhere to go but up. But I mean, I think we can all agree that there has been there has been some improvement. And I'm sure for a lot of Edmonton fans, it's taken way too long under Chris Jones. But has there been a sense of optimism now? The home losing streak's gone. They've won a few games. Like, will people be, uh, are, are they feeling it right now for the Elks and like some hope for going forward with Chris Jones? Because I imagine with all the contract situation, he's going to probably be the guy next year. Yeah, I think it comes down to your, the way you phrase that question. I think there's hope moving forward with Trey Ford. Yeah, I think there's hope moving forward with some of the pieces that they have. I'm not 100% sure there's hope moving forward with the fan base with Chris Jones, but you're right. I mean, he's probably going to be the guy. Now they do have, they brought Rick Lawlisher back as president, interim president right now. And he'll, he'll end up working with the board and making some significant decisions if they can afford to in the off season. But you know, we wouldn't even be talking about the riders and Stampeders battling for third. If they would have just fired Steven McAdoo or changed him from the offensive coordinator earlier in the season. I'm even, and, and even, even if, even if you started Cornelius, as long as you started Cornelius, if you at least had gone to Jarius Jackson three or four weeks into the season to call the offense differently, you would have won one or two of those games and you'd have a playoff spot pretty much locked up right now. So um, they waited too long to go there. That's a Chris Jones decision, I think. I don't know. Maybe it's somebody else in the organization. Well, never mind waiting too long to go there. I mean, how long? How many weeks was it until Ford actually got into a game? Yeah, well, like, they, 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 they the same week, they, they, they switched OC and quarterback the same week. And since then, you know, you'd say they're probably a top six team in the Canadian Football League. I think the case could be made for that. So I, I know it's a nine-team league, but when you start the season 0-9 to all of a sudden say, hey, you know, I saw a power ranking some week. I think CFL.ca had them like in fifth or fourth for a little <laughs> while there when they won four or five. They're so, eating up. Yeah, I, I do think, you know, they 
Trey Ford still has to work on, you know, settling in as a quarterback and he still makes some reads that have led to some picks that you're like, ah, you know, in two, three years, he sees that better. You know, and he, so there's a ton of potential there with him. But Chris Jones basically wasted the first half of the season by trying to ride with Steven McAdoo, who simply can't call an offense. We're seeing it. Like as soon as they made the switch, they all of a sudden averaged like over 200 yards on the ground for five games in a row. So, you know, defensively, they've always kind of been in the battle. Their entire secondary outside of Ed Ganey is rookies, basically. And some of those guys I think are going to develop into players. But offensively, they were an absolute train wreck. And then they had some plays early in the season. They got stopped against the Riders from the goal line where they just ran Kai Loxley three bloody times. They've actually turned Cornelius into one of the better short yardage quarterbacks in the league. He's been outstanding in the short yardage role because he's a giant. So they just, a lot of mid, like they shot themselves in the foot for the first two and a half, three months of the season. And now they're sitting here and watching two teams that don't even want to be in the playoffs somehow fight for who has to go to the playoffs and get killed by the Lions in Vancouver. No doubt about it. Dustin Nielsen's with us. He'll have the call on TSN Bombers Elk, 6 p.m. Winnipeg time on Saturday. One final question for you, and it's back to the Bombers. Um, You've seen this team almost as much as anybody this year. Who's the MOP on the Bombers? Is it Zach Caleros or is it Brady Oliveira? Uh, You always ask the hardest questions, Sus. I, uh... And I, I, I have a hard time going away from Zach just because of how good he is. But if you were ever going to make a case for Brady Oliveira, this is probably the year. Like, the one thing that, like, for example, let's say you get to the West Final IG field, which is what's going to happen here. It's going to be BC. It's going to be Winnipeg. I cannot wait to call that game. Who's the biggest difference maker in that game? It's not Zach Kolaris. It's not Vernon Adams. It's not either the receiving cores. They're a wash. Both defenses have had ups and downs throughout the season. The biggest factor in the biggest, second biggest game of the year in the Canadian Football League is Brady Oliveira. And to me, that makes him the the MOP coming out of Winnipeg. So I think in the end, it's going to go to Chad Kelly because of what's happened with Toronto, and he's been pretty good. But I would love to see Brady Oliveira get that West. Actually, what I'd love to see is have three nominees for all of the awards and just kind of abolish the East versus West thing. So you can get the three best players in there every year. But I think I would give my vote to uh, Brady Oliver. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm sort of with you. I have a tough time going away from Zach for the body of work overall. It's not an anti-Zach take. It's just a pro Brady Oliver take. And and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, I think there's also Caleros and bomber fatigue when it comes to the, the trophy winner. So to have a new name coming out of Winnipeg might be, might avoid some of that. And, I mean, heck, I mean, you talk about the top Canadian. I mean, either Nick Dembski or Brady Oliveira will not be the top Canadian on their own team. And I think, realistically, if you put together two or three finalists from the entire league, those guys would be on that list. So, uh, first-world problems for the Bombers, that is for sure. Dusty, uh, have a safe trip. I'll high-five you somewhere over Saskatchewan (laughs) uh, on the air. And... uh, we can uh, recap all of it when we get back together in the lock shop on uh, at noon on Monday. And, folks, if you haven't checked it out already, myself, Dusty, every day before Winnipeg Sports Talk at noon Winnipeg time, fire it up in the lock shop with uh, lots of fun sports talk and uh, hit the lines and uh, make a few wagers, uh, have lots of fun with our friends over at Cool Bet. You have a great weekend, my man, and uh, I'll miss you in Edmonton this week. Uh, don't burn Winnipeg down while I'm gone. Oh, safe travels, buddy. We'll talk to you later. 
All right, great stuff with Dusty. If you see him, welcome him to the peg on the weekend. He, of course, will have the call tomorrow night on TSN for another sold-out game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as they look to officially clinch the West Final. And, hey, if you're at the game tomorrow, not only are all those great Canadian club products are available, but much like Canada Life Centre, you can now get the great taste of Little Brown Jug at Winnipeg Blue Bomber Games as official partner of the Bombers and, of course, at Canada Life Centre now with the Winnipeg Jets. Had a generic at the game last night. A great addition, if I do say so. And, uh, of course, tomorrow at the Poutineries and the hometown concession stands, you can get the local beers, including Winnipeg's and WST favorite Little Brown Jug's iconic 1919. Heck, the weekend is here. Might be time to go pick up a rack. You can grab Little Brown Jug and their uh, all their great selections wherever sells great beer. Manitoba Liquor Marts and, of course, at the Brewery and Tap Room down on William Avenue in the Exchange. And check them out online as well at littlebrownjug.ca. All their beers, all their merchandise there with local delivery options as well. And a big shout-out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Um, saw Nick, I think I mentioned this yesterday, Nick uh, doing some pitas out at the new pita pit in Niverville that they've got. Pop by it if you're in the Niverville area and check out that new pita pit. Um, but hey, if the sweet tooth is what you're waiting for and you want those great burgers, four locations for Nick and Nikki DQ. DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Big thanks to them for their support since day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Marbles registration is open. We'll get to that in a few minutes at the top of the hour to finish off the week, but it's not a Friday show without hitting the NFL notebook with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, who joins us now. Lee, what's up? How are you doing, my friend? 99 degrees in downtown San Diego. That's Ooh. how I'm doing. It's the middle of October. Andrew, what's the hell's going on? I imagine there are a lot of Charger fans asking what the hell's going on these days, and, and they're... They're in a very unenviable position right now uh, in uh, the uh, the widowmaker spot of the uh, of the schedule, playing on Monday night, and now traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs, who played on Thursday. Just what Andy Reid needs—another extra three days of preparation for Brandon Staley while he's not getting to the Chiefs until Tuesday. Uh, a tough spot and a tough week for the Chargers. That that Cowboys Chargers game was kind of hilariously bizarre and that both teams a lot of times can't get out of their own way, but more of the same for, uh, for LA Lee, um, you know, strange decisions, aggressive at some times, not at others. And um, it all ended up in another loss for a game that was very much winnable for the, for the bolts. I thought. Hustler, everybody in, in Chargerville is taking a lot of heat and that head coach. And for the first time, the quarterback, uh, because Justin Herbert uh, signed a 262, million dollar contract extension right before season started he's just not the same quarterback right now now he's really banged up his offensive line has played really poorly they don't have a power running game the defense especially the secondary is deficient uh and they're in a real tough corner now because not only do they have short work week going to kansas city they got the chiefs now kind of hitting the reset button and kansas city's bringing back Nicole hardman uh, who would be a veteran receiver who has had some success with Andy Reid, kind of washed out with the Jets. And Kansas City, I think, is about to sign Frank Clark, the veteran defensive end, to bring him back again. Um, you know, Kansas City is all about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, did some checking here. Write these numbers down, Hustler. Patrick Mahomes in his career 
His record is 80 and 20. Think about that. In the NFL, 80 and 20. Guy's got 238 touchdowns, 61 interceptions on the season. At Arrowhead Stadium, where it's a little bit loud, kind of tough to play, Mahomes is 42 and 10 as a starter in his Kansas City career. And he's 7 and 2 against the Bolts with a 99 quarterback rating. And he popped off this week because there's been some critique. You know, their offense is not the explosive offense we've seen in the last five years or so. And he, he kind of went public. And I'm sure Andy Reid caught wind of it or read it or probably heard it. He wants to go up tempo. He want to go no huddle. I got a feeling the Charger defense, which isn't that good, is going to walk into that place and they're going to get nailed because they're going to go fast tempo, no huddle, all that. I, I'm fascinated to see if Kansas City can kind of hit the switch and get back to what they used to be. Herbert, uh, I'm disappointed. I'm not blaming the quarterback. I'm blaming everybody around the quarterback, including the front office and the coach. His record, get this, is, is 27 and 28. He's a sub-500 quarterback in the league, but he's got like 103 touchdowns, and he's only got 37 interceptions. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He runs. He, he's, I think he's a quality leader. They just don't have a lot around him. And, of course, the Bolts are 31st in the league in defense, 32nd in pass defense. So I think they're going to have their hands full against Kansas City. You know, after that opening day loss, even though Kansas City is not what we've seen in the past, you can identify with that. They've won five in a row. And nobody's talking about the defense. Spagnuolo's defense, get this. When was the last time Kansas City gave up 292 yards per game? I mean, <laughs> I they, can't they were, remember. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really playing well. And the one thing that's changed in about 24 months over two drafts is they've gone in the marketplace and they have gotten a lot of guys who can run. Their secondary is very, very athletic. Uh, Linebacking is a little bit iffy right now. Uh, but, you know, Chris Jones is creating mayhem. They drafted pass rushing guys off the edge. So, yeah, Chargers got their hands full. And that being said, still on the Chargers schedule, they have a second game with Kansas City. They got to play Buffalo. They got to play Detroit. Uh, they got to go to Green Bay. I mean, they've, they've got tough games. They've already got three losses. So if they have a fourth loss by Sunday night, they're going to be in such a hole. I just don't know if they can dig out of it. Well, and, and listen, I mean, they are not doing themselves any favors. I mean, you mentioned those ugly defensive stats. I mean, as far as yards allowed and points allowed, they got to be number one in stupid penalties too. I mean, yeah. the 15-yarders the that that team takes on a regular Durin basis. Duran James. Yeah. James, tough guy. That's stupid one of their guy. leaders. He is their leader, and he's here's a here's a stat for you. They have ten personal foul penalties on third downs this season. Oh. Ten in five games. So I mean, they they got they got issues all over the place, and a lot of people really unhappy with Brandon Staley. He's you know he stapled on the front of his resume when he got this job was what he's done defensively in the league. Sure, not doing it here, and they can't win close games. That's the other thing. They've lost in, in Brandon Staley's three seasons so far. They've lost 10 games by three points or less. And he's in denial there's anything wrong there. And my response is they don't give out participation trophies in the NFL. You got Justin Herbert. You should not have 10 losses by three points or less. Okay, that's the end of my sermon on the Chargers, Kansas <laughs> Hey, uh, well, you listen, while we're talking about teams in turmoil in the AFC, um, been a long time since we've seen the New England Patriots in the dire straits that they're at right now. They've got a Buffalo Bills team that didn't look very good on Sunday Night Football, but his own New England as of late. 
The quarterback's not playing well. And, I mean, the turmoil there seems to go all the way up to the owner and, of course, the guy that's been running the show for the last two decades. I've been told in Boston that Robert Kraft is not talking to Belichick. That's not a good sign. Wow. But I, I will also tell you, at the end of the day, the Patriots general manager, Belichick, has let the Patriots coach, Belichick, down. Their player acquisitions have not been very good. They do draft well defensively. They've rebuilt the uh, defense. They've got some really good guys and young guys who can play on the back end. But their offense is negligible. I dare you to pull up a New England depth chart and tell me if there are any playmakers on the offensive side of the football. And I know it's convenient for everybody to bash uh, Mac Jones, the starting quarterback, who's he's slipped and he's regressed. Uh, I'm stunned that the relationship with Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien has not taken off because I thought that would be an instant fix. I just went back late last night. I went back uh, and looked at his drafts recently, and Belichick makes all the decisions in player personnel. Um, he's got three drafts in a row in which the top three picks, nine players total, they whiffed on. They're all gone. You can't blow first, second, and third round picks in 19, 20, and 21 and not expect it to hurt your franchise. So, I mean, if, and he doesn't, doesn't deal much in free agency. Uh, their, their veteran rentals haven't really worked out. I'm still waiting for Ezekiel Elliott to be with Ezekiel Elliott was in Dallas, but maybe he's not at age 29. So they, they've got all types of internal problems. I don't think that Kraft is going to fire Belichick in the middle of the season, but, you know, they're one in five. And they are not competitive in any facet of of offensive football. So, yeah, you're correct. Team turmoil, that fits right there. Lee, before we get to a couple of the big uh, other big games outside of Chiefs Chargers on the docket, a lot of quarterback stories around uh, the National Football League and some pretty significant injuries that um, are making for some pretty, um, shall we say, bizarre QB matchups coming up this weekend. Yeah, there's, there's some really strange junk out there. Uh, let's just kind of go around the roadmap here real quick. Um, obviously, you got the New England situation. Uh, Arizona, Kyler Murray has just been activated off the injured reserve list. He has been out since middle of last season after knee surgery, but he's probably four weeks away. Uh, Arizona needs him. Arizona's just a disaster. But Kyler Murray has just started to practice, but that's going to take some time. Uh, it was interesting on Wednesday, Deshaun Watson finally leaked out and revealed that he has a partial tear of his rotator cuff. You know, they've been saying it's a bruised rotator cuff. Well, he said, no, nah, <clears throat> it's a partial tear and rest and rehab. He went out and he probably took all the snaps today, which is really surprising because he took about half the snaps yesterday, which was his first day on the field. Now, I don't know whether or not he's going to play on Sunday. You know, but they've had three different starting quarterbacks so far this season, and they're they're scuffling. Uh, the worst case scenario happened: Anthony Richardson, uh, the number one pick of the Colts, he's gone for the year. He had three different injuries in a five week span. And you and I have talked about this in the past: was quarterbacks who run in the NFL will make plays, and then they're going to get hurt. And he had three injuries, five weeks, different parts of his body, all because he was running and scrambling. And now he's had major, a major injury, right shoulder, fractured AC joint. That rehab takes a long period of time. And the fact it was throwing shoulder is bad. Good piece of news. I'm not quite sure how to interpret this at this point in October. 
Aaron Rodgers confirmed uh, this week that, yeah, he had the ruptured Achilles tendon. He had what's called spread base, spread, I'm sorry, spread brace surgery to repair the Achilles. It allows him, uh, excuse me, I cut class. They taught medicine in college. So <laughs> I missed that lesson. But this, this, it's called speed brace. I'm sorry, speed brace surgery allows you to rehab inside three to six months. And he's already standing without a cane. He's been throwing. I don't know if he's doing all the physical movements yet that a quarterback would be doing. Maybe he is. He's doing physical stuff with his, his foot and his leg in weight room. But uh, he's, they say he's really ahead of schedule because of the speed brace surgery. And one other really bad note, and I, 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 I just can't buy that this is being allowed to happen in Las Vegas. You know, Chandler Jones was a Pro Bowl defensive end, really good player. He's been arrested three times now in the last two weeks for violation of a protection order because of domestic abuse things. And he was acting very strangely prior to all all this, all these arrests, all kinds of junk he was doing on social media, missing meetings, and finally got locked out of the radio facility. And then the police came to his house and made a mental health visitation to, you know, do an evaluation of him and took him to a, a psychiatric center for an evaluation. He's been arrested a third time. I, I want to know is where's his agent in all this? How come there's been no intervention either by the Raiders or where's the players association trying to protect their help? This player, this player is obviously a fine player. B he's got, I think significant mental health issues. It's like out there walking the streets of Las Vegas with no shoes on at three o'clock in the morning and people are treating it like that's okay. And they keeps getting arrested. So, you know, those, those are the hot headlines with players around the NFL. Uh, Lee, before we go, I want to ask you about two big-time games on the weekend. We hit Chiefs Chargers early. We've got Lions in Baltimore. And uh, the Lions' backfield has been really banged up. And it looks like their first-round pick, Jameer Gibbs, is going to be good to go. Thoughts on that game? And then the big one, Sunday night. Eagles coming off that crazy loss to the Jets against Miami in a battle of one-loss teams. Uh, Detroit-Baltimore. Uh, Lamar Jackson has become a one-man show. He's got like 1,600 all-purpose yards throwing and running. Uh, Lamar Jackson should meet Aiden Hutchinson, the pass rusher from Detroit. Uh, they're they're going to slow him down. I don't know if Detroit's got enough offense, although Jared Goff is having a statistically just a phenomenal season. You know, this guy couldn't play for the Rams a couple of years ago. Jared can't get this number in – his last 17 games, which goes back to last October, the middle of last season, he's got 29 touchdowns and four picks in the last 17 games in Detroit. Uh, this year he's got 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's got a 105 quarterback rating. It's a guy the Rams didn't want. So he's he's not being asked to carry the load in Detroit because their defense is carrying the load. But what he's doing is he's making a ton of plays down the field. And, you know, Detroit, Detroit's won at Kansas City. They won at Green Bay, and they won at Tampa Bay. I mean, these guys are the real deal. So that, that'll be a fun game to see Lamar go against Detroit's defense. The other one, hey, two weeks ago, if you thought we'd never ever see anything again that would top Miami-Buffalo, hey, now we got Philadelphia-Miami. Uh, two and the boys, they're averaging 498 yards per game. Now their defense has given up almost 400 yards per game. Nobody's talking about the Miami defense. But two is hot. Tyreek Hill's averaging 19 yards per catch. Jalen Weddle's averaging 12. And then you got Philadelphia. Their offense is, is clicking it at 395 yards per game with Jalen Hurts. Hurts is doing an awful lot. I think Hurts is doing too much. 
I think Hurts is going to get hurt if he continues to run the football the way he is. Philadelphia's defense is only giving up 298. They're not quite playing to the Super Bowl level that they played last year, but we're only six weeks into the season. So I, I think Miami, Philadelphia. Um, is it Sunday yet? I think it's going to be great. Cannot wait. Lee, uh, I, I love the uh, little pop-up show you had on Monday, getting ready for the Monday Nighter there on the uh, Hacksaw channel. Uh, of course, LeeHacksawHamilton.com is the website, but you continue to grow your multimedia empire. Just fill people in on uh, where they can get more of the saw throughout the week. We're not as good as you yet, but we're coming, pal. Uh, actually, if you like if you like sports in Canada, check my website. I write on it every day. It's absolutely free. There's nothing in the freaking world that's free except what you're doing, what I'm doing. But uh, check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. We cover anything and everything, including a bunch of hockey, which is important to you guys uh, and and me. Uh, and then we start this uh, YouTube thing, and it's just exploded. And by the way, I, full disclosure, when people bark at me, they don't like what I'm doing on, on my podcast. I just decided to start giving them your cell phone number because you're the one that put me involved with this podcast. That's where all these calls are coming from. That's right. We do a Monday bonus podcast to a Thursday podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to that. And we do stuff. We put stuff every day on the YouTube channel. And then we also do some really creative stuff uh, with Instagram. So it's rocking and rolling. I don't know how it works, but it's working. You never thought you'd be the king of Instagram, but here we are. Lee, have a great weekend. <laughs> Enjoy it. Thanks for doing this. Have yourself a great sports weekend, Hustler. Be well. Talk to you soon. Right on. There is our guy, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And again, definitely check out and uh, give the saw a sub when you get on over to uh, to his site. All right. Last call for marbles, everybody. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. You know how we finish up the week here on WST. We'll get to that in just a minute. But let's quickly get to the cool bet lines. And uh, tonight, only two games in the National Hockey League. A lot of pressure. I'm 4-0 and this week on the daily pick, putting out on Cool Bet Canada. I think I'm leaning to the Devils tonight uh, in New York to take on the Islanders. Uh, Devils are minus 114. Islanders minus 103. We'll throw that out on the Cool Bet socials a little later on today. And the Calgary Flames, a minus 149 favorite in Seabus to take on the Blue Jackets. We do have Canadian Football League action tonight. And the BC Lions were eight and a half point favorites. That number is now down to eight. Big lines this week in the CFL. Tomorrow, Riders, nine point home dogs to the Toronto Argonauts. And the Bombers laying 11, 11 point home, uh, home dogs. If you do want to jump on the dogs with myself and Dustin Nielsen, we do have a partner parlay in the lock shop section under the Cool Bet exclusives. With Calgary plus eight and a half, Riders plus nine and a half, Edmonton plus eleven and a half. That one is paying plus six fifty. And although they're not up yet, I will tell you we got a couple of our lock shop boosted parlays. Our partner parlay for this week is going to be the Bills minus eight and a half. We're actually taking a bunch of points. I usually like to get the points. This time we're going to lay them. Bills minus eight and a half against the Pats. Washington, the Commanders, we're going to be putting our left hand up when they win by three. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites at MetLife to take on the Giants. And the Seattle Seahawks, seven-and-a-half-point favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll have that one. And then I did do a ride with Huss, three-gamer. I got the Chiefs minus five-and-a-half. I am taking the points with the Pittsburgh Steelers as a three-and-a-half-point underdog against the Rams. And I can't wait for that Sunday nighter. I'm on Philly 
minus two and a half against Miami. Again, those should be up later on this afternoon, probably within the hour in the lock shop section over at CoolBet. And again, we went through all the picks today. Myself, Patty, JBM, you can check that out. Subscribe to the lock shop wherever you get your favorite podcast. And don't forget, Dusty and I are live Monday to Friday at noon before Winnipeg Sports Talk over on the EST channel. If you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST. Hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit over at CoolBet. All right. Remo, what a week it has been. And there is only one thing left for us to do here before we get rolling with the uh, official start to the weekend. And that, of course, is a Friday marbles race on WST. Yeah, we got, uh, what, 231 people in. Am I closing the entries now? It's certainly uh, close to getting after three. We're running late. So much stuff here to get to. So I'll, sh- I'll close it up. Last call. And uh, Perfect. And while you do that, I will recommend to everybody to make sure you are subscribed to the channel. All you need to do is press that subscribe button. Then you'll be eligible to win the WST hoodie. Shout out to Shipman Associates for uh, their support and uh, making those beauties up. And uh, we'll give one out to whoever is the winner of today's. Uh, hey, there's the Gitch. What's going on, Gitch? Speaking of big winners, this guy's been on a bit of a heater lately. Um, so yeah, we'll close it all up. And again, hit that subscribe button. We're only a couple subs away from getting to 10,100. So it'll be nice. Now once we're past 10, 10K, we only see the change every 100 subs as opposed to before when it was every 10. So uh, we'd love to kind of get to 10.1 over the course of the weekend and start building on that next week. So again, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit the thumbs up button if you haven't already. Always appreciate that. And uh, let's get ready. I believe the CTO has picked a uh, great new track for us as well. But before... We uh, drop the marbles. It's Friday afternoon, and that means we need the official marble intro from the legendary Tristan Rivers music. Remo, can we play the song? Alrighty, let's uh, let's fire it up, Reem. Uh, you were telling me off air about this new uh, this new track that we're dropping today with the field goal ending. I cannot wait to see this. Yes, uh, this is going to be a good one. Hold on one second. My computer is. I got too much too many tabs open here. Oh, oh my god, tabs again, tab issues. Okay, wait, let me fix all this. Uh, yeah, I got a great track. Tested it out. This is working good. Yeah, I'm just checking out the uh, the um, 
the chat here. Uh, yeah. Oh, I guess bombing did the uh, bonfire maybe a little early, but that'll be there for you if you want a little more on tomorrow's bomber game with uh, bombing and Walby. You can get that uh, over at the bonfire channel as well. And um, I did see who is it that was just mentioning in chat. Oh, Jason Jet. What up, Jace? Uh, Car- Caleros probably will not play if Calgary wins tonight, but it's hard to sit players when the roster's already set. I think even if Calgary wins, I think we will see Caleros play a quarter, a half, because I'm pretty sure that assuming that one way or the other the Bombers clinch the West this week, I think probably Caleros, a number of members of the O-line, probably some of the top defensive players, especially some of the ones that are a little older in years, probably get the uh, Calgary game off. And as Ed Tate said, you know, it is a great opportunity to get reps in for some of the players that haven't played very much because, of course, you never know what's going to happen come playoff time. And what guy that we barely saw through the regular season might all of a sudden be called up into prime time in a big-time situation. So the sooner the Bombers can clinch this, the better both for the overall health of the club as well as getting some very important reps for players that haven't had very many throughout the regular season. What? Uh, how are we looking? Uh, we're looking good. I'm just changing some up some of these settings here to make sure that it runs smoothly. I'm not sure why it got so weird, but that's fine. I'm just fixing it. Nicely done. Nicely oh, done. okay, the quality here. Okay, we're good now. All right, it's all been figured out. We've played the song. Now it's time to get it up. How many people did you say are in today? We got a lot here. We got a lot. Um, we have 232 in the race. Was there anyone you wanted to add? 232, and we've got 233. Tell you what, let's give Alex Iafalo a marble. He's been good. Newcomer. Big game last night. <clears throat> big game last night. Um. And, uh, you know, I think that's... Oh, you know what? Let's give Christine Sinclair one. Sure. Big retirement. The legendary, the legendary Canadian footballer officially announcing her retirement today after, after her incredible career. The most decorated goal scorer in, uh, I believe, international soccer history. Um, I know we talk a lot about Messi and Ronaldo. Uh, Christine Sinclair has been doing it on the women's side for a long, long time. And, uh, of course, all the great victories, the greatest victories in the history of Canadian soccer have been with her wearing the captain's armband of Team Canada. Yeah, I mean, what a legend uh, in terms of international football. So um, congratulations to her on her retirement. One thing we didn't touch on, am I adding her? Am I adding on anyone else or have we got these 234? Because I got stuff. AI. AI and Christine Sinclair. Andre Igudala, who retired? Oh, you mean Alex Ayafalo? Yeah, AI, uh, exactly. Not <laughs> Andre Igudala did retire today. 18 seasons in the NBA. I had him on my fantasy team a lot. Uh, the start of his career with the 76ers. Anyway, I'll, I'll fire up this list here. Uh, what's the date today? October 20th. And I didn't. Hard I didn't believe what eleven days away from Halloween. Yeah, I didn't pick a Halloween theme track. That's okay. That's okay. We can maybe do that next week. I'm sure there'll be some great user created Halloween type tracks. What's this one called? 
Okay, this one is called... Okay, we only have a couple less than we had last week. 234. This one is called... What is it called? Adorable... It was Adorable Flowing Alley. And I, I like it. I tested it. These ones that say adorable in it, I think are good tracks. Nice. That must all be done by the same... Uh... I don't it know. Must be the 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 same creator of uh, of these tracks. Everything's so adorable. Here uh, we are. All uh, right, folks. So this is uh, Ellen Elena Death's adorable flowing alley, a new marble track for us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Two hundred and thirty four marbles are in the queue. Good luck to everyone. Thank you for popping in and making uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk part of your Friday afternoon ritual. Tell a friend about the Marble Race and uh, the show and where they can subscribe and find us. It's always helpful. Um, and hey, we got a big day tomorrow with Bombers in action against the Elks in Winnipeg, the Jets and the Oilers in Edmonton. But the weekend doesn't officially start until the marbles are dropped on Winnipeg Sports Talk. 234 of you in the race today. Good luck to all. Remo, let's go and see what the adorable flowing alley is all about. They're off. Right off the bat. Look at Amanda. First place. Right off the bat. That was short-lived. Garrett Soloway with a really nice start. Kind of jumping ahead of everybody. Pretty in Pionk right behind Garrett in uh, first place. This is an interesting one. You go down, you go up, then you go down again. But I'm pretty sure by my calculations, it is Garrett that is in first place, although there's uh, plenty of company right now. Pretty and Pionk's in there. Tom Morrissey. I see Royster as well. Oh, we've got a bit of a jump here. I see some jumping marbles. There's Larry TSG. Now we go into these. I don't know what these are called here. These spinning globes. It's just a matter of how you... Oh, Drew Music, CP, Johnny Bird, thrown over the top rope early. Turd Ferguson and Brown-Eyed Girl getting shot forward. Oh, this is a wild one. So you go into one of these cones, and then depending on which cone you go into or funnel, yeah. it shoots you out. Brown-Eyed Girl, MJD, who allegedly accidentally blocked Rob Mahoney is in first place right now. <laughs> a likely story, brown-eyed girl MJD. Um, <laughs> I kid, I kid. Here we go. Now going over into this next funnel, brown-eyed girl MJD in first place. Now, oh, Lauren Cretton. Phyllis, no! Just got top-roped. A few more casualties. But brown-eyed girl MJD is in first place. Holy smoly, Turd Ferguson, Presley, MV Dub, our top five. And oh, there's Garrett right there. Garrett Soloway after that great start, still right in the middle of it. Brown-eyed girl slowing down a little bit. And look at this, bullish Bradley making a real run out on the left lane. A very close one. And now one of these puzzle-type features where you never really know how things are going to work. Oh, brown-eyed girl MJD. A excellent, excellent maneuver to get through in first place just ahead of Bullish Bradley. You're right. This is a great track. I just want to explain the finish to you. Uh, there's a field goal upright there. You need to hit the upright to finish. If you go through the uprights, uh, you're eliminated. So watch out here. here. 
here we go. It looks like Herb's going to have the first chance. Herb Sturman in first place, although slowing down a little bit. Trevor Frost there. Justin F. Ken B. Tony Pop as well. This could be very interesting. Oh, Dark Moon just got popped. All right. Hitting. Who's it going to be? Ken B. Got it. Look at Ken. Herb. Justin. Tony Pop. We did see a few now not hitting it and getting yeah, most eliminated. Of them are, most of them are hitting it, but when I tested it, it wasn't that automatic. And you're seeing yeah. a lot of people get eliminated there. So right shout out to end. Ken B. Ken B, nice win. Ken, fire us an email at uh, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. As I say, I'm jumping to the airport right after the show, but I'll be around next week if you want to come by someday after the show and pick it up. We'll make that happen. I'm with you, it's your boy Bruce. It is quite the course. Can be nimble, can be quick. Nicely done, Atomic. Uh, so here's your top 10. Can be Herb Sturman, Justin F., Tony Pop, Peg City Hawks fan in at fifth, EK Posty sixth, Bullish Bradley seven, TB Guy 13, MC Stormy. Oh, and WST favorite Mary Jane cracking the top 10. It's a good sign for the weekend, Mary Jane. A strong Friday afternoon performance in Marble should lead to a great weekend for you. Ken B is our winner, Reem, as always. You can just kind of run down and see who got it. Oh, looks like Shorn's going to be uh, giving Ross 20. Nice performance by Ross. 15th uh, today. Pretty in Pionk in at 20. Uh, Bardo. Look, there's Bridget looking good. Jerry Baluda. What else do we have here? There's the Hootman at 334. T. Will, 42nd. Craig Smith. What's up, Craig? Looking good, buddy. Alex Iafalo, 51st. Not too bad for his, uh, I believe, first marble race. Or no, maybe second. I think we gave all the uh, all the, the former Kings marbles one of these days. Uh, Velveeta, there's Ryan. Derek Schmidt, part of our Movember team. Hey, again... If any of you are planning on doing Movember and growing the stash, we'd love for you to join the Winnipeg Sports Talk team. Uh, we'll maybe try and grab a few perks for you all from our friends at Modern Man Barbershop. Um, but it'll be a great way to kind of follow your progress. We'll be promoting it. We'll hopefully help you guys raise some money. So if you're down with the stash for the month of November or Movember, as it were, send us an email, Talk at gmail.com. And a big thanks to Julian and One Bird and Derek and Layton, who've already said that they're in. Would love to sort of get a group of about eight to ten dudes to make that uh, to make that happen. Um, before we go, if you just popped in and maybe missed the start of the show, we do have four pairs of social passes for the Bomber game tomorrow, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. Um, there is, uh, you can see the link right there. There's a couple draws. We're doing them over at the website. So if you're able to go and use them, um, get in those draws. Remus will be sending out those tickets a little later on. Congratulations to the moose ticket winners for tonight. Got a couple more moose seats for tomorrow. And again, those eight social passes where you won't have an assigned seat, but you will have a cold CC and ginger waiting for you at the game tomorrow as well. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. What's on uh, What's on your schedule, Remus, other than a very busy night of sports watching tomorrow? Are you going to the game? No, I actually got invited to a party. Uh, I'm pretty pumped, so we're watching both games 
uh, there. And I just want to give a shout out. If you're listening on the podcast and you've made it this far, uh, what's up? I'm that's that's pretty awesome that you listen to Marble Race play by play. But yeah, WinnipegSportsTalk.com slash tickets. If you want bomber tickets for Saturday and WinnipegSportsTalk.com slash contest if you want moose tickets for Saturday. And yeah, a lot of sports uh the baseball underway. Hard not to get on the Phillies train here, Huss. Uh, they're just uh, demolishing everyone. So I'll probably be watching some of that. They lost last night. Yeah, there's, I mean, you look, you can't win every game. So uh, I'm still, I mean, those guys just mash. I uh, love the lineup. So I'm looking forward to, to the baseball. And yeah, big day for Winnipeg versus Edmonton tomorrow. Can, is there going to be a Winnipeg, maybe a Winnipeg parlay on a cool bet? Jets and Bombers. Well, check that out. Maybe we'll make something like that happen with uh, with the fellows over there. We will have the partner parlays in there. And by the way, keep an eye on the channel tomorrow because, as I said, I'm heading out to Edmonton tonight, going to hook up with Tommy Zola from Edmonton Sports Talk tomorrow, and I think we'll probably crank out a bit of a game preview after the morning skates together, uh, which I hope to have on our YouTube channel as well as on the Edmonton Sports Talk channel as well. And uh, again, I'll miss you all at the uh, Bomber game tomorrow, but uh, let's see the fellas take care of business. Have a great time tomorrow night. Don't forget, Princess Auto Tailgate Zone opens at 4 o'clock p.m. tomorrow with a 6 o'clock kickoff. Then finish up the game and uh, get in front of a television somewhere to see if the Jets can get their second win of the season against the Oilers coming off that 4-1 loss in Philly to the Flyers last night. Been a great week of shows. Thanks to all of you for being a part of it. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Tell them to subscribe. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. We'll get to 10.1 and continue moving forward. Um, But thanks to all of our guests today, Dustin Nielsen, Hacksaw, Eddie Tate, Scott Billick, and a great crew in chat as always. Um, Folks, I gotta get out of here. Check out the channel tomorrow as well as my socials for a little bit of content from Edmonton before Jets Oilers. Have an awesome weekend, and we will see you Monday, 1 p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.